Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, April 20th, also known as 420. It's the Cannabis Day. I have no idea why. I don't think anybody does. I've looked it up. Nobody seems to know how the number 420 got associated with cannabis, but it did. Um, Elon Musk was joking that he was happy he was able to launch his rocket on April 20th, he, 420. Um, he's a big cannabis fan. It His rocket blew up. Um, was a pretty successful launch till the um, rocket came apart unexpectedly, uh, which is part of my topics today on the open, by the way. It is a free-for-all. I will tell you the phone lines are open right now. If you want to jump in and join us, go ahead and dial up. I do have several things I want to talk about today, but I'll get to the calls as they come in. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. I do want to talk about a bunch of things. I'm going to talk about Elon Musk and artificial intelligence and the government and truck parking. What else do I have on my list here? Um Oh, I've got a couple things. What order do I want to do this in here? Let's go with uh, let's go with the government stuff first, the political stuff. So I don't know why, and I'm sure it's just human nature. I'm sure it's not only in this industry, but I don't know why we have this habit. I say we, I, I'm not including myself. I fight against this kind of thinking, but I see an awful lot of it. We like to complain about the government. We don't like it when they regulate us. I get that part of it. But then we always seem to want to turn around and ask the government to solve problems and regulate other people. I don't really get it. Two areas where we're doing this right now in trucking, um, broker transparency and parking. The government has no place in either one of those things if we want them to work well. We all complain about how the government screws everything up and then we go running to them to solve our problems. And that's how we got here. Every time we ask them to solve one of our problems, we give them another opportunity to screw us. I wish we would stop this, but we don't. We just keep doing it. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about Twitter lately, and I'm going to be talking a lot more about it. I, I do see it as a path forward, an important path forward in social media because of what Elon Musk is doing with the censorship issue. I also believe that it's a a, a, a pretty powerful tool not to – I've had a couple people ask me if we're going to – move away from our own websites because I'm on Twitter. Hell no, that's not the plan at all. The plan is to grow our sites. Our sites, we have control. It's our tribe. We set it up the way we want it. It's a very powerful tool. But that tool doesn't reach new people at all. It's a closed website subscription only. So we have to have, we have to have a way to reach new people. That's what Twitter is. And I'm, I'm looking at ideas where I'm, I'm able to communicate with truck drivers all over the world on Twitter. We got some interesting ideas there. So don't worry. We're not abandoning our websites. The opposite. We are going to grow that site. We're combining them, making them better, more powerful, easier to use. We're going to grow that 
And the way we grow it, we have to bring in new people. There's just no way around it. So that's what we're using Twitter for. So I will be spending a lot of time on there. Um, I have some ideas for content shows that may work better on on Twitter spaces. And Twitter spaces is like a big conference call. It's a pretty interesting technology. And it, it's, that's been around a long time, but Twitter spaces works really well. It's just easy. You don't have all the software issues we have with Zoom calls and all the other conference calls. So we may be even doing more on Twitter going forward. But it's interesting because... Obviously, I'm trying to connect with everybody in the, the the transportation world on Twitter, whether it's obviously owner operators and drivers, but brokers and carriers and shippers and suppliers. And um, that's the other advantage to me spending some time on Twitter. I, those people are not going to come to our site and subscribe, but it's really powerful for me to be able to interact with them and build relationships over time. But what's happening with me on Twitter right now is kind of interesting. I've been through this before. Um, When I was first on social media, way back when, I dealt with this. Then when I was first on the air, I dealt with it. In both of those cases, it kind of went away after a while. Um, Really went away a lot on the show. We almost never get this kind of stuff on the show anymore. But on Twitter, I'm getting pounded with this. I I feel like I'm, I'm trying to talk to the liars counter when I'm on Twitter. It's the same old stuff that, you know, I've I've just disputed for years on the show and people really just don't seem to call and try to debate me on that stuff anymore. But I feel like I'm going through it all over again on Twitter. You know, they again, they want to run to the government to solve the problem, whether it's parking, um, which I think is a mistake. I've said if you want better parking, be willing to pay for it. If we're paying for it, the free market will give us the best solution. Not the government. Don't give the government another opportunity to screw us with this by asking them to solve this parking problem. The best owner operators and drivers I know claim there is no parking problem. They've solved it for themselves. Owner operators have tons of control over this. I I would just choose areas that I would operate in that don't really have parking problems. And there's lots of them around the country. I, I deal with this issue today. There are times when I travel, I'm still 70 plus feet long. I have the same issue trying to, actually, I have a bigger issue than truck drivers do. And I'll tell you why. I will not take a parking spot in the back of a truck stop. I will not take a spot that a a semi could use in the back. Now, I will use any other parking place I can find in a truck stop up front where they might have RV or car parking. I'll go take 12 car spots up front. Um, so I do really work hard not to take one of those spots. So that makes my challenge for parking even bigger. And I don't see it as a problem. And somebody's going to say, well, you're not on a schedule. Yes, I am on a schedule when I travel. I have to be set up and ready to do my show. I'm down to the second. My schedule's that tight. So, yeah, I, and I'm working and I have conference calls and I have meetings. And so I have those same challenges when I'm on the road. So I get it. The government's not the answer. The other area where I see right now, we're just like begging the government to solve our problem. I don't even see it as a problem. Parking, I'll, I'll admit, parking can be a challenge. 
but I think it's pretty easily solved by most people, really. Uh, and we could use more parking. That would be nice. But I don't want the government doing it. Be willing to pay for premium parking and we'll get more premium parking. The broker transparency issue is in the news again. And and again, I'm fighting this one on Twitter and I feel like I'm back to square one again. Um, I just don't see this as a problem at all. We already have a law about this. Nobody enforces the law. And if you try to use that law, you're going to find out it's a bad business practice. And people don't like that. So what what I'm talking about is the the owner-operator's ability to see what the shipper paid the broker. I don't think there should be a law about that, but there already is one. It's been around forever. I, You know, this is like the gun argument. They want more laws. We already have so many laws that cover these things. When are we going to understand people will break laws? They always do. Writing more laws doesn't fix that. You just give them more laws to break. We already have a law that says if you ask the broker, they have got to show you the original documentation on that load, including the rate. The law exists. You have every right to go to the broker if you want and say, I want to see the paperwork. If you're leased to a carrier on a percentage contract, you have every right to ask your carrier for that original paperwork. The law already exists. If you want to use the law, go use it. Don't be screaming to the government that you need to make sure this law is being enforced. It's not going to be enforced. We don't have the resources to go. Who's going to do it? What person, what entity, where are we going to get these human beings to go out and enforce this worthless law? I don't want the government spending money enforcing this. That's another reason. Every time we go to the government and ask them to solve a problem, they're going to use our money to do it. And they don't do it well. The law's already there. If you want to force the broker or your carrier to show you the rates, go ahead. Find out that it's not a good business practice. It's your right. Do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? There's a huge difference. Here's the other thing I'm finding funny. Some of these people I'm debating with on Twitter, I've been debating with for years. A couple of them I've gone head to head with on many, many issues over the years. And I just don't understand. They are complaining about the government constantly and yet screaming that the government needs to solve this problem. And I just don't get it. We've talked about this issue so many times. It doesn't matter what the broker is getting. You are the service provider. You set a price. Nobody forces you to pull any of this freight. So what if you knew the broker was getting 40%? If the rate was good for you, here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to go take these loads that these guys have already pulled and bragged about. Look at this rate I got. I promise you I can dig into those and find many of them where the broker took a pretty sizable chunk. Now I want to go back to those guys and say, hey, look, I found out the broker took 30% out of that load you were bragging about. 
do you still want to pull that freight? You bragged about it. But now it's somehow if you found out that the broker made more than you think they deserve, who the hell are you to decide what somebody else's business deserves? They deserve exactly what they can negotiate for. That's what they deserve, which is also what you deserve. And if you're not happy with what you negotiated for, look in the mirror and fix it then. Asking the government to fix this is just just stupid. I won't even call it ignorant. It's stupid. And yet we keep doing it. Makes me kind of crazy. All right. What else do I have today? I had so much stuff, I can't even keep it straight. Let me get back to my notes. Um, The other thing the government continues to do, since I'm on the government, I'm going to stick on it for a second. And this is why we really don't want to bring them into any issue that we don't absolutely have to. We don't need them in parking. We don't need them in broker relationships. They know nothing about any of that stuff. That's the other thing I see all the time. These same people bitch and moan. I can't believe the people writing our laws don't know anything about trucking. We need more truck drivers writing laws. Uh, Okay, then you better be applying to be a lawmaker. Go get elected. That's how this system works. If you want more truck drivers writing laws, then truck drivers better start getting involved in government because that's who writes laws. So we bitch over and over and over about there's nobody that understands trucking and they're writing our laws. And then they go scream to get them to write more laws. How does that make any sense? The government doesn't understand truck parking, I'll promise you that, and yet we want them to go solve a problem we know they don't understand. We complain they don't understand it, and then we turn around and ask them to solve the problem. Uh, Unbelievable, I just don't get it. The government continues to punish success over and over and over. They're going to do it again. I don't even know how this stuff happens. I've got to go figure out, is this some sort of a law? Is it an executive order? I haven't had time to read the articles, but I keep seeing these headlines that there's a law, whatever it is, it's going into place on May 1st, that if you are applying for a mortgage after May 1st and you have a credit score, I think it was over 680, And if you're buying a house, hopefully your credit score is over 680. Otherwise, you're going to get killed on the rate. But if it is, these headlines I keep reading are saying those borrowers with good credit are going to be hit with a fee to subsidize borrowers with poor credit. Bullshit. This has got to stop. We have got to stop punishing people that do the right things. Our whole tax system is designed to punish people who do the right things. And now we're going to do it in mortgages. There's two big problems with this. If people have poor credit and need to be subsidized, they're probably not in a position to buy the house anyway. Maybe we just need to educate people better about how to manage their money. I'm so sick of the government punishing people who do the right things. This is a really basic premise of human nature. If you want people to behave in a certain way, 
then reward the behaviors you want and punish the behaviors you don't. This is how you raise good children, by the way. You catch them doing good things and you praise them. You watch them, and when they try to do the right thing, you encourage them to do that. That's how you get people to behave in the right way. When they do something wrong, you correct them and punish them. There should be some pain involved. But we do the, uh, now we, our government is notorious for doing the opposite. I feel like the more successful I become in business, the more the government continues to punish me. And I see people who aren't doing the right things, the things that are good for our entire society. Look, every time a a single human being becomes more successful and does the right thing, that strengthens our entire society. Every time a member of our society does the wrong thing, it weakens our society. That's why we should encourage people to do the right things, discourage them and punish them when they do things that hurt our society. We've somehow gotten to the place where we're doing the exact opposite, and I just don't understand it. All right, now my big topic for the day. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today because this will become, I'm going to make a prediction, and I don't make too many predictions. This is going to become the single biggest topic on my show probably for the next 10 years. And when people hear it, they're probably going to groan. Oh my God, why do we hear about that all the time? I, no, you're going to hear about it all the time. Um, and, and if you don't want to, you probably find another show to listen to. Um, and when I say we're going to be um, talking about this a lot, it doesn't mean just talking about it. I'm going to be talking about it and how it's affecting every other area of our life, our business, our money, our health. That's why we'll be talking about it so much because it affects so much. I started talking about it a couple of months ago and I am shocked at how fast this is happening. Artificial intelligence. Boy, talk about a topic that is just, um, I I don't even know how to get my head around this thing. I've been studying it and playing around with the tools that are available since I started talking about it a couple months ago. And I'm more confused now than I ever was. I am going to start allocating a lot of my time to studying this technology because it's here, it's not going away. It, it, it is going to infiltrate every part of our life. It, it's already happening. There are potentially some huge downsides to this technology. There are potentially huge upsides as well. And I'm, again, artificial intelligence. Um, there are two stories today uh, in the news about artificial intelligence. This is what I mean. It, 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 it's affecting areas that I would have never even thought about already. Here's one, and, and this is another area that we talk about a lot, mega farms. You know, we've talked about, now, in one sense, this might be an improvement, but I'll tell you why I don't like it. Our mega farming system needs to disappear. 
it's killing our planet. It's killing us as human beings. It's bad for the animals. It's bad for everything. It's bad for our economy even. It created really, really cheap food, which really wasn't a good idea. This new technology I'm about to talk about is an improvement over the way we do things now. So why wouldn't I want it? I don't want to be able to make small improvements to these mega farms that will keep them going. I would rather just see the whole system collapse. But I'm fascinated by this technology. So here's the technology. Two two new technologies combined, artificial intelligence and drones. Um, these mega farms, this is happening, by the way, um, already. These mega farms are using artificial intelligence powered drones to weed their farms. So the way we weed now is horrendous. A tractor drives through the entire farm with the big arms out there and sprayers, and we saturate the entire field, the crops and everything, with weed killer, Roundup, glyphosate. That's why we have GMO corn and GMO soy. The the genetic modification for corn and soy in most of these farm crops is so that weed killer does not kill them. You can saturate the plant with glyphosate, Roundup, and the plant won't die. That's not natural. That's, that's man-made. That's genetically modified. That's because it's, this is how we kill weeds. We spray the whole field, saturate everything. One, it's a huge waste of money. Two, it's horrible for the environment. It's bad for us. It's bad for everything. So these, these AI-powered drones, um, they could reduce the amount of herbicide being sprayed on these plants by 90%. That is huge. So like I say, it, it, I know it's a really cool technology. It really is. It, it has lots of benefits. I'd rather see it just go away, though. Like I say, I, 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 this whole model has to go away. So I, I really don't like to see um, these kinds of technologies that will keep it going. Um, here, here's what it does, though. These drones fly very, very low, right down at crop level. And they're using cameras to distinguish between plants and weeds. And that's the artificial intelligence part. They are able to identify quickly and easily. Now, here's the size they are able to identify down to. A half of a sesame seed. Now, I know how small sesame seeds are. I've tried to plant them before. They're really, really hard to work with. They're very tiny. And these cameras are able to identify plants at that level, that size. So the, as soon as the plant breaks the ground, we can barely see it with our eyes. And these cameras can detect that it's a weed and they shoot a targeted shot of a weed killer just on that weed. That is awesome technology, really is. I wish it didn't happen. I wish it didn't exist. 
It's not the answer, even though it's 90 percent better than the system we're using now. In my opinion, it's not the answer. The answer is these mega farms just need to go away. We need to go back to family farming. It's probably never going to happen, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it and fight for it. So then I read another interesting article. Um, Here's the title. How GPT, GPT, chat GPT is the the big technology out right now in AI. There are many others. Anybody could go create artificial intelligence. There's virtually no regulations on it. Um, Elon Musk is is getting into the business. Um, the big, all the big tech companies are are writing AI. New companies are starting up to write AI. It's it's a very very complicated topic to even understand. I, I will admit I don't completely understand it, not even close. But I will tell you what I, I have a new goal, and it is to read every book I can get my hands on right now about artificial intelligence. I I I want to understand this inside and out. Two reasons. One, I want to protect myself against the downsides of this technology. And two, I want to know what the opportunities are going to be. So I'm not going to ignore AI. I don't like it. If I was the king of the world, I would say AI needs to disappear. We are not ready as human beings to play with this. We're just not. I think overall this is going to be a net negative, not a positive. But I, but I don't know how you stop it. Like I said, we there's barely any regulations on it right now at all. And by the time there are regulations, it's going to be too late. So I, I'm I'm not a fan of this. If I could, if I had my wish, it would just go away. It's not going away. So I'm not going to stick my head in the sand. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I can find the upsides to this technology and the opportunities. So this wasn't planned for me. Uh, what have I been saying for the last couple of months? Two things. One, I have too many projects that I I didn't finish and need to figure out. And Well, there's another part of that. I, I'm thinking that maybe there was a reason I didn't finish them. I, I've never really done this before. I've never been this buried in projects and, and not finishing them. And I maybe it was more uh, my subconscious telling me maybe it's just not a good time to finish those projects. It's not a bad idea. You got all that work done, but maybe you should just like you give a lot of people advice. Maybe it's just not the time yet to make a big move like that. So I'm starting to think that um, maybe I maybe it was a good thing that I've I've, uh, got myself a little too buried right now. I've also said I need a a break. Um, I need a vacation. I'm just getting a little burnout. And when I get to that point, it's not that I, I have to have the break. It, it's that I'm not as effective anymore. I would just keep working. I love what I do. But I get to a point where I'm just a little burnout. I'm just not as effective. It takes me longer to do everything. I'm not thinking as clear. And I know when I get to that point, I just need a break. I just need to get away from it. But I'm not going to take a break with this topic. I, in fact, I'm adding this. Um, I think it's that important. I, I, I do believe I'm going to be talking about it a lot. Here is... Um, Here's an article, how GPT will have real world business application in the freight market. And that's exactly what I'm going to be um, 
spending most of my time on is how it's going to be affecting our freight market. Um, I'm going to read this article because it, it's kind of hard to summarize. It would be easier if I just read this. I, I don't like to do a lot of reading on the air, but um, bear with me on this. So, quote, for example, if a broker gets an email from a trucker offering a truck from Dallas to Orlando, the parade system, that's the artificial intelligence that this company is using, this brokerage company, a logistics company. Again, I will tell you, we are already looking at this. I have our programming team looking at the available artificial intelligence tools. I want to find the best one to start analyzing our fuel gauges data. We have 5 million fuel tickets. It's the only database like it in the world that I can find. And there's so much information in 5 million fuel tickets. What truck, what engine, what transmission, what speed were they driving? What was the weight? So, by the way, when when you're using fuel gauges, which we gave to you free, by the way, um, I will ask for something back. Fill out as much information as you have. I know it takes a couple more seconds and you might say, well, I don't really go back and look at that information. Uh, Help us out. Help everybody out. The more information we have on each fuel ticket, the more we can do with it. The more value we'll have in that information. I haven't pushed that hard because we haven't been doing much with the information yet. Two reasons. One, I was waiting to get a big, big data set, and we're, we're there now. And two, it's really expensive, and I just couldn't afford the time and the money on that project. That's where artificial intelligence comes in. It, we probably cut, the way I understand this is we probably just cut out 90% of the programming cost because artificial intelligence is so much more superior to our old search technology. So I already have our team working with artificial intelligence to build our tool. And then we'll go after our profit gauges data as well and start analyzing that with artificial intelligence. So back to the quote, um, the parade system, again, that's their, um, the parade system reads the email as a human would using a large language model, the same way GPT does, and pulls the information needed into the parade system for the broker reps to use. Now, here's what that means in the real world. Now, let me tell you this. Um, Even though truck drivers interact with brokers all the time and have been for years, most of them don't understand how the brokerage model really works. And here's the key to being a, a successful broker. You have to be able to process a load from start to finish as fast as possible. Yeah, I know we think that these brokers are making a ton of money off of every load. They're not. It is a very low margin operation. You don't make, a broker does not make much money on a load. They just don't. When you understand that business, you would see that. So they have to make up for the low margins with high volume. It's like the big truckload carriers. They make a couple cents a mile. So they make up for it by doing a gazillion miles. 
That's how you succeed as a broker. You have to be able to move freight quickly. So here's here's a kind of a quick synopsis of what happens with each email that comes in with the load. What we have today is not perfect, obviously. I'm quoting again. It takes three to five minutes to process an email. And because we're not 100% accurate with our current model, there is also a manual quality assurance step that comes after that. So 75% of their emails have to go through that secondary manual process. That process takes 15 to 45 minutes. So the original email, three to five minutes, because there could be mistakes in that, they have to go back and audit about 75% of these emails. That takes 15 to 45 minutes. These brokers need to move hundreds of loads every day. They have to have a lot of human beings in here doing this work. It's very labor intensive. The um, With this new model, the chat GPT can process that email in th- oh, here's the other thing. Their accuracy on their current model with the two-step long process, their accuracy is 92%. 8% of their order or their freight will still have a mistake. Guess who's affected by those mistakes many times? You and I, the guys picking up the freight. If there's a mistake in the paperwork, we're the ones that will probably pay the price. The brokerage does too, but So there's the system. It's very labor intensive. It's very time consuming and it's not all that accurate. Here's what happens already when they use the GPT technology. Parade can process emails within 30 seconds. It's so accurate. They don't need to use the secondary step for quality control And so far, their accuracy is at 99.3%. Now, there's a huge upside right there, right? I mean, I'm thinking about it as an owner-operator. If they can process all that paperwork so much faster and more accurately, that's good for me. That's really good for me. Now, hopefully, they still have some human beings at this place that I can build a relationship with. And now I have a little more time to actually build some relationships. I I could turn this into a real positive. But I have another problem right now. The problem I'm looking at right now is I keep seeing signs for stagflation. I keep seeing massive layoffs everywhere. I keep seeing everything getting more expensive, even though the economy is tanking. That's what we called stagflation in the late 70s, early 80s. I've been talking about it a lot. I'm going to be talking about it a lot. That's that's what we have to try to avoid. What we want to see happen, we want the economy to go into a recession right now. We, I, we want that. What we hope is that it's not too deep and too long and we just, it's just a natural business cycle and we recover and we come back and we move on. What we don't want it to morph into is stagflation. 
and and I see where where it feels to me like we're at a tipping point. Artificial intelligence is this is not good timing because we will put people out of business, out of work. That's what artificial intelligence is going to do. That's the downside of it. We've done that a lot in the past. Machinery made people obsolete. We've replaced people with machines in every industry on the planet. Then we replaced people with computers. It's happened before and we've been okay. I don't know if we're going to be okay this time. This technology looks like it could put a lot of middle management, white collar workers out of work. And this is not good timing for that. So it is something I'm going to be talking about a lot and paying a lot of attention to. All right. Um, I think I'm going to jump into the phone calls. I have some other things I could talk about, but um, we'll find out what's on your mind right now. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind today? You know, last, well, I got three things now. Actually, I'll touch on the broker one first. So when the rates were gangbusters and guys were getting five, six dollars a mile, no problem, and they, oh, look, I got, this is what I got. Screw that broker. I don't care. Well, maybe Say the load by ten grand and the broker for fifteen hundred percent. Now the load only pays five grand and the broker takes fifteen percent at seven hundred and fifty. But the market <laughs> is what the market is. <laughs> That's exactly maybe the right. broker still only maybe the broker still only took the same percentage it, when the gold was good. You know, yeah. I, I'll, you're concept is is spot on let me take it one step further we're so backwards on this issue when rates are that good you just said it nobody was asking for transparency then they were laughing at the brokers oh i hung up on the guy i told him to f off and and laughed and and hung up i don't need him when the rates are high that's when the brokers are taking more because they can if the rates are really, really good, yeah, well, the broker can look at it and go, hey, look, I can take 20% off of this one. The rate's still so good, they'll snap it up in a heartbeat. When rates are really, really yeah. bad, that's when we start bitching and moaning and asking the government to come and save us. That's when the brokers are discounting their percentage because they have to. Yeah, the government's not the problem. Oh, uh, government's not the solution, they're the it, problem. So exactly right. I'll be. So, yep. Uh, so, last week you had a caller and his truck had been stolen in Florida. Yes. The very next day, a guy that has a YouTube channel—I don't—I don't know what it, what he's called or what his name is—but he was talking about another truck that had been stolen in Florida, but the guy that owned it had multiple GPS trackers on it. Well, he tracked it down, and he found it. All the guy said was, I have no information as to who stole it, but it was parked in a truck parking area in Hialeah is where the guy tracked it to. So he called the cops, and the cops came. And in that yard, there was three stolen Peterbilts, one stolen Freightliner (laughs) Classic, and six 
stolen refrigerated trailers. And Holy the guy didn't shit. have any information. He says, he says, I'm not saying that the guy that owns the truck parking area is the thief. Says, I have no proof <laughs> of that. He said, he didn't say the name. All he said is a parking area in Hialeah, Florida. But he, it could have been someone that's going around. It's like, oh, I need, I need to rent 10 spaces uh, full time. Right. And he's wheeling and dealing and stealing. So, right. Yeah. So here, well, there, if, but, that, um, if that kind of stuff's going on, and it certainly sounds like it is, this is a really easy problem to solve. The guy just proved it. Put several trackers on your equipment. The stuff's cheap. As an owner-operator today, yeah. if I had truck and trailer, I'd have multiple trackers. Yeah, well, a number of – if you want stuff to get stolen – Florida's the place for it to disappear. Hey, hey, hey let's um, um, let, let let me give people some incentive here to to really consider this. I promise you, we have a lot of owner operators in the world right now that are way upside down on your on their equipment. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Way <laughs> upside down. They paid way too much for it. They financed way too much of it. They didn't use enough cash. And they now have a truck that they owe $80,000 for, and it's only worth fifty on the open market. If you get if yeah, that truck gets stolen, you get $50,000. That's it, because they're going to give you the market yep. value. And now you have to go buy another truck in a lousy market. You're going to get screwed yep. if your truck gets stolen. I don't care how good your insurance is, unless you have a policy with but, true replacement value, and those are really, really rare in trucking. You know, unless you, if, if you've got the, the gap policy where it's like, well, I owe 100000 but right. my truck's only worth seventy. So, yeah, because you and, might, it's like, oh, well, yeah, your truck got stolen. Here's fifty. Well, you yeah. still owe the yeah, yeah. finance company you, seventy. Correct. And then you have to go buy yeah, another so truck. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. I missed that step. Yeah. I, I forgot that step. The you owe 80, 70, whatever. They give you 50. You have to take 20. You have to take the difference out of your pocket to pay the finance company before you're done with that transaction. And now you still don't have a truck. Yeah. The. So- and then the the last thing for me today, so I live here in Oklahoma, and last night, tornadoes done beat us up, so didn't get my house, but a couple of my neighbors got wiped out so so hey hey paul i'm gonna I'm gonna age myself here. We'll see if you remember. Here I am. I always talk about I don't watch movies and I I don't watch a lot of TV and and yet I'm gonna I'm gonna do a movie quote. This is unusual for me. Um, the only thing that comes from Oklahoma are steers and queers. Uh, yeah, I remember the movie. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, um, can't think of the name at the moment. But, yeah. Uh, I remember the line though. Yep. Um, I, I'm I, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to see if anybody comes up with it. Yeah, someone will remember. You can't forget that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, the my wife she sent me a text message yesterday 
Oh, storms are popping off, and it wasn't long after that. Her stepson, he lives two hours north of me. He's calling, hey, there's a tornado just west to your house. And it's like, yeah, it'll be, I'll be fine. They, they tend to go either just north of me or just south of me. Well, it went just north of me, but I live on 240th Street, and it went across 250th Street. That's so close. That's only a mile north. That's close, yeah. Yeah, so the back of my property is halfway to 250th Street, so you know that, a couple of miles uh, up the road, the little town is flattened, apparently. So. Yeah, you know the crazy thing about that? That is close. I mean, that's really close, but we've all seen the footage of tornadoes next door. Is really yeah, close, but but, we, the neighbors? It, but your yeah. house doesn't get touched. I know it's crazy how that happens. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but uh, I was looking for a load yesterday, but uh, I I couldn't find one that was going to get me back home. But it kind of turned into a blessing. But I'm just go straight home today. So there you go. The neighbors are going to need help. So all right, uh, carry on. Thank you much. You're welcome. Thanks yeah. for the call. Let's go to, speaking of tornadoes, Kansas. Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? I guess on the, the you know, this AI thing and stuff, when I was listening to uh, Tucker's interview with Eli Musk the other day, I was kind of struck by, like, is there, I almost feel, I, I, don't, I don't know how to put this, but have you ever heard the term penis envy? Like some women have like this penis envy. Have, have you ever heard of a term called like womb envy or like this? It's or a God complex of some kind, because it sounds like just listen to Eli. I'm like, it might be anecdotal. I don't know. I mean, it just sounds like it's a bunch of guys trying to create life. Yes. Right. And no, I know there's exactly lots of uses for it, is. but how irresponsible is it? for these people that don't understand what they're really missing with trying to create something that it, it, may live one day. I, I, I'm, I'm about to um, complete my 60th lap around the sun here in a week or so. Um, and I will make the statement, this may be the single worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. I think so. I think these guys are... So wild with this power to try to create something that God is responsible, or you know, yes, I mean, if you believe in God or whatever, if that some other being has created us. If you've heard me talk about this, this was the first realization that came to mind when I first started to play with this. I came on the air and I said, "Here's the way you have to look at artificial intelligence." It's not one thing. First off, we, we look at it as though it is one thing. No, the only way to look at artificial intelligence is it is a clone of a human being. That's, we should have known that. That's what we're saying. We're saying we, we're trying to make a computer intelligent. Well, humans have intelligence, Beyond any other animal on the planet, we can think and reason. We are self-aware. We are trying to create that in a machine, and that is a really big mistake. But I'm telling people, if you want to 
be able to understand, you have to look at each version of artificial intelligence. There are going to be versions. There are already versions. And everybody can take those versions and then modify it and create another version. And what happens when artificial intelligence becomes smart enough to create its own version? That's, that is what's possible here. This is a huge mistake. And we are doing it with almost I mean, zero oversight. And another thing that he touched on, and he just kind of passed over it, but this is the most important thing. You know, we're living life, and we have compassion of, as human beings. Like he said, if we wanted to, we could go and hunt down every chimpanzee, you know, and kill them, wipe them off the Wait, planet. But we don't because... We, we have this soul or we have compassion. We, we almost did with this the machine that they are creating. What's well, <laughs> we've made mistakes and we make up for, we try to make up for those mistakes. And, but you know, if you think about it as, as are we are today, we will, we would never do something so crazy. We would recognize our mistake and we would oh, pull back wait, from wait, it. Wait, 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 hold, hold, Bob, Bob, hold not. on. Let me give you an example to prove you're absolutely wrong with that statement. I agree with most of what you're saying, but when you say we wouldn't intentionally do something against our own interest, the whole green movement right around the world right now being pushed harder than anything is absolutely against our own best interest. And they are pushing for. But that's why there's so many of us pushing back. Oh, against no, it. you're right. Hey, exactly. I totally agree right. with you. There's so many of us out here with, you know, that are in the real world living the our, our lives. And we see this green thing that's coming. We're like, this is so ridiculous. I see yes. it every day. I'm like, how, how, how is this, this technology that's coming going to power our lives going into the future? We should. We should take the technology we have today and just keep evolving it. That's the way, you know, the internal combustion engine was evolved slowly, slowly, slowly. And then one day we're going to move to the next step, but in evolution steps, not, oh, we're just going to do this because we got a good, better idea, I think. So I, I'm going to address this up front because I'm sure I'm going to get this comment at some point. Somebody's going to look at what I just said, my open today, and, and you could potentially look at what I said and call me a hypocrite. You're, you're so afraid of this technology that it could be the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. And then you admitted you're going to go learn it and use it and take advantage of it. Yes, I am. I, I, if I don't, I could potentially be out of business. It, what good would that do that? Nobody I look at the brokerage business because that's the one example I use today. We, th- this brokerage could either spend 30 to 60 minutes per email or they can have artificial intelligence do it in 30 seconds with much, much better accuracy. As a business owner, you can't say, I'm not going to use that technology. You can't. You will be put out of business. Yeah, I mean, if you think about how, how like, if we just go back to like a crazy health talk, you know, they, the pharmaceutical companies have been trying to come up with a way to, you know, make HDL go up without making LDL come up with it. They just want AL, right. HDL, the, the healthy cholesterol to go up. And so they have been working day and night to try to create something that 
if you just take a simple look at it and you look at what we eat and that that creates the good HDL that they want. But instead, they want to come up with a chemical or they want to come up with something that causes this. Right. And the, the, the AI is the same the same thought process. We're going to make something better by making it really complicated. Yep. I think if you just try to take life and get, take what it gives and try to put a little, you know, for lack of a better term, fertilizer on it and just make life work, then things will get better. And just, I think I heard this like quote from, you know, Joe Saladin. He's, you know, take what the earth will give you and, and just so, encourage that. So that's that, what it gives you. Let, let's stick with that analogy for a second, Joel Salatin and a farm. If we look at what's going on with AI, I, I, I can't think of a technology that had the potential to replace as many people as this does. We know machines first started replacing human labor on farms. You know, you could do a lot more work with a tractor than you could with a horse. Um that was part of the beginning. And then in factories, machines started allowing a human to do more work. And then pretty soon you need a lot less humans. Um, and then computers happened. And oh, my God, look at how many people computers had the potential to replace. What saved us in all of those was those technologies also created a lot of new economic activity. So we were able to shift from one form of work to another form of work, but we kept creating jobs with these technologies. If artificial intelligence will do that, we'll be okay. I, I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure what new jobs artificial intelligence is going to replace. We already have all the computers that are needed to do it. The uh, uh, I'm afraid that this will be the technology that will be the exception, that it's going to put more people out of work than it puts into work. And if we put that into context with the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, you see us moving towards this world where there's already talk of this. If people can't get jobs because we have machines and computers and artificial intelligence doing all the work, then we can just be leisure beings, but that's not, it, we're heading in the wrong direction. We're, we're telling people you're going to be able to lay around at home and watch soap operas and we'll pay you to do that because we don't need jobs anymore because all these machines and artificial intelligence will do all the work. And they're talking about that like it's a wonderful thing. It's a horrible thing. People need a purpose if we are going down this road, and we are, I would encourage a different model. If we have been so successful and we can create these things to do all of our work for us, then we should go back to providing for ourselves food and, and survival. We should, if you don't have to go to work, you should have, your whole yard should be a garden and you should be feeding yourself. You know, I think that that's very true. I do see so many of these, like you were talking about the brokers and how they could streamline a lot of that and the farm and how they could just hit each individual plant. That sounds like amazing technology, but we can't lose sight about, you know, life's journey is about challenging ourselves yes. at every step, yep. whatever it is, you know, that's in front of us, every barrier, when you overcome that barrier, 
then you move on with your life. You, so, you're hey, better for it. Let, you know, what is let, that old saying? You know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Here's another analogy we can all see. You know, when we talk about obesity and the health problems, you see a lot of people post pictures of the beach in 1970 and there are no fat people, right? I mean, that's a common thing. I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. Post pictures from 50 years ago, 100 years ago, there are no fat people. So machines doing all of our manual labor for us, they've destroyed the human body. Think about it. When we had to do a lot yeah. more manual labor ourselves, open your own garage door, wash your own clothes, hang them up out on a clothesline, grow your own food. Um, when we didn't have machines doing everything for us, we were physically more healthy. So two things screwed that up, the food system and the fact that we're just not very active anymore. So we know what happened when machines took over manual labor. Our physical body has suffered from that horrendously. It's a big problem. Well, here's the next step. With artificial intelligence, we won't be using our brain as much anymore. That's a really, really bad thing. Oh, it's it's terrible. We have to have these challenges in our life and understanding how things work. I think if you like, just think about like the map systems, you know, I mean, I you the other day you were talking about everybody should have a hard copy map in their truck and I I was cleaning out my truck and my daughter like pulled out this old map and stuff and she's like you want me to throw this away and I thought to myself yeah throw it away it's a piece. and then I got <laughs> I'm like man what if my phone quits working one day and I got to find this place and you know and I started looking so, through the map and it's so different and I use when I was growing up with my dad and trucking with my dad. I mean, we always use map. He always, he had like county maps of every county in our area yes. that he would point, pinpoint and show me where we were going. We don't even look at that type of stuff anymore. So, I don't even I mean, think the kids today would I, know what a map is. Go I ahead. I have a pretty funny story about that. So, you know, I am almost always a new adopter of technology, early adopter. I'm usually right out there looking for technology people haven't even heard of yet and trying it. That That's just, I've always been that way. It's what I've done. So back before smartphones, remember what the first kind of smartphone was? Uh, it was like a big bag phone, I guess. I no, don't know. That probably. wasn't a smartphone. That was like a cell phone. But what was okay. the first smartphone? A huge company for uh, Blackberry. Long, yeah, Blackberry. Blackberry was really the first kind of phone computer thing you could hold in your hand. And I went out and got one of the very early Blackberries. And this is when I was traveling to try to grow my accounting and consulting. And I was doing seminars out at trucking companies. I traveled a lot uh, back at this time. And you know, you used to before, it, let's say I'm going to Houston and I've got meetings, you know, I would go map it all out and print out pages. Um, you know, I didn't have to go buy maps for that area. I could go online and, and print out maps. So I knew my directions. I knew where I was going. And, and that's what I would do before every trip. Well, all of a sudden I get this Blackberry. Guess what it has on it? GPS. I'm like, oh, well, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Um, at the time, you could also pay extra for a rental car, and they had GPS systems in them, but it was fairly expensive. 
Um, so all of a sudden I've got this BlackBerry. Oh, look, I don't have to go print out my maps. I don't have to pay extra to get GPS in my rental car. I'm just going to use my phone. Halfway to my meeting, an yeah. important meeting, I'm almost late, even though I gave myself lots of extra time because my flight was late, something out of my control. So now I'm, I'm rushing and I lose cell phone coverage. My GPS doesn't work anymore. I am completely lost in the middle of Houston. I have no idea where to go. I was oh God. one of the, I'm, I'm almost never late for things. I am a stickler about being on time for things, especially business stuff. I was an hour late. I had to stop and ask directions and asking directions these days. Nobody knows how to give directions. So it, it was just a nightmare that I didn't think of. This technology looks so cool. What happens when you lose cell phone coverage? And we didn't have great cell phone coverage back then. Didn't uh, didn't BlackBerry basically go out of business and then they reinvented themselves and maybe an AI technology? They're, They're still like around doing huge into think. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what, but I think they are still around. Because I don't even think they make a phone anymore, do they? Not that I'm aware of. No, I can't remember. I heard like they reinvented their themselves and got into some new technology and they're huge again. I yeah, can't remember could be. What, what it was. Hey, I, another thing, if you got a quick moment, you were talking about, you know, 420 and marijuana and stuff. Yeah. And I just, I, I was just curious, are you aware of all of the xenoestrogens that are in marijuana yes. and stuff and how, you know, detrimental it is to humans? Well, I mean, they're just hold, like any other hold plant. On. Hold, hold, on. Hold, hold on. I'm going to correct something. Am I aware that the phytoestrogens are there? Yes, Absolutely. Are they a problem for okay. human physiology? They don't seem to be. So when you said they absolutely are, yeah, I don't but know where I mean, you're getting that information from because there doesn't seem to be any indication that they raise estrogen levels in the body. Yeah, but it's, you know, just like if we talk about any other seed oil, and this is what marijuana is, you're getting the oil and you're smoking it or you're like consuming it in some way. It's just another seed oil so that let, is, let me, let me you know, help. maybe not, maybe not hurting us on a, on an upper level, but on this low lying level, I think it's hurting us. And Wait, we, hold on. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Is the benefit greater than the detriment? And in some cases it is. And look, I'm not saying everybody should be sitting around smoking weed. I, I'm not pushing it as, you know, you should be a stoner all day long. All I'm saying is I will promise you this. I've done all the testing. If, if we're using some substance to wind down and relax at the end of the day, which is a really common thing for human beings, what's the most common substance people use for that? Alcohol. I will promise you that alcohol is far more destructive. So even if we are using cannabis as a recreational escape from the world to kind of wind down and relax, there is an upside to winding down and relaxing. And we were told that that was one of the upsides of alcohol. It was actually good for you. It was a stress reliever. It, it helped you. And, and that is somewhat true. We now know, though, that I'm the, just saying the, that we, we thought, should have I'm not pretending anything. Let me Sorry. finish my thought process. The alcohol I've now been able to show without a doubt 
the downside is far worse than any upside potential. That's not true on cannabis. Absolutely. You know, I, I can also prove that in many cases, that's just not true with cannabis. There is a bigger upside than there is a downside. We And, and once we know that, and we should manage that. I'm not saying you should be high all day long. That would be a horrible thing. But I'm also saying it's here. We should be allowed to use it. It should be legal. We shouldn't, if we want to... Tell truck drivers you can't do this. Then I say we have to take another look at alcohol. That, that's all I'm saying is let's not be hypocritical. I I choose to use cannabis. I find benefits in using it. Are there downsides to it? Absolutely. Is one of them that it it increases um, estrogen levels in the body? No, it doesn't. Here's why. The phrase we use a lot is the dose is the poison. Look at how much of a seed oil is used to cook one meal. I don't, I don't ingest that much cannabis oil in three months to the amount one person uses to make one meal. I would not consume that quantity of cannabis oil in three months. So the dose is the poison. There's just not enough of it there to, to have a detrimental effect because it's a seed oil. But this is my point, Kevin. Like, I, I quit drinking because I became aware of the, the, the problems with alcohol. You know, I think that's one thing. I couldn't figure out why I wanted to quit drinking or why it just up. I, I, and I got to quit. thinking, you know, or I watched a few videos about, I, I watched a few videos about alcohol and it started to make sense in my head. If I am trying to become optimally healthy, why would I put this into my body? And I'm thinking the same thing about alcohol, marijuana use is why would I put something in me that's not going to work towards me being the best version of who I could be? So, And, and you, I don't have any problem with anybody it, it, buying if you, if you believe that marijuana should be legal. Yeah, absolutely. If you believe that, then you're a hypocrite and you're lying to yourself. I Why am find, I lying to myself? I, I could come up with 10 other things you do every day that work against you being your best self. And yet you still do them every day. Many of them don't even have a purpose. You don't do everything in your, every decision you make is not designed to make you the best human being you could be. Although that's what you just tried to claim. Yep. You, but even, even if I, if, when, when you become aware of these things that are pushing you backwards in your you know, you're trying to journey through life and get better every day. You know, there's lots of things I know that happen in my life that don't go make me go forward. I go backwards it's through stress or through work or through environmental things. Through every choice you, you make. become aware of these you're, things. Don't blame it on the outside forces. It's your choices that make those things happen or not happen. You could have gotten up this yeah, morning but and, once and you become, run, like you, you, you could have woke up this morning run six miles and came back and started reading a book and then went to check on your investments. We don't spend all of our time trying to improve our life. That, that would be horrible. We need to relax once in a while. We need to just enjoy life. We, we don't have to strive to be a superhuman being every minute of every day. I think that would be awful. Well, I don't think I'm trying to be perfect, but, but as I become aware of these problematic chemicals that you're putting into your body, 
you're like, okay, I understand. This is a this is something that's setting me back, and I hey, think hey, I probably should so, just not. No, Bob, let me let me approach it a different way. I'm going to make a direct comparison. I think we should treat alcohol and cannabis about the same. And what you're saying, I went through that process. I looked at alcohol, said, "Wow, I've been fooled my whole life about alcohol. Now I know the truth." So I changed my behavior, but I didn't quit drinking alcohol. I've said that many times. I cut way, way back. There are still times where I find it beneficial to crack open a bottle of wine and enjoy it. Now, let me make another comparison yeah, between hey, cannabis and alcohol. You, if we're talking about health, there is no comparison. When I compare them, I compare them as recreational substances that have downsides. That's how I approach it. Alcohol has far more downsides, in my opinion. But let's look at it from a health perspective. Alcohol is a toxin to our body. It has zero beneficial effects, none, other than the relaxation and the euphoria. So that's what we use it for. But that can become a problem if you abuse it. Now, on the other hand, and the endocannabinoid system in the human body the largest number of receptors of any kind in the human body are there for cannabinoids. There has to be a reason for that. We don't understand it yet. Our body makes cannabinoids. Our body does not make alcohol. Our body makes cannabinoids for a reason. Every system in our body uses cannabinoids for something. We don't understand this yet. Those cannabinoids, our body can make them or we can get them from a plant. There's there's something there. I, I I see what you're saying. I mean, as long as it's in like small moderation, I, I'm not. I mean, and I totally under I understand that. But I just sometimes I just I just think this is this is it's clear. You know, I can see to me, and if, if my neighbor wants to use it, if anybody else, I'm more than happy to to say, yeah, you're sure it should be free to, for you to use. I'm not saying I'm not making an argument, I guess, against uh, marijuana, but as a person who is like working on their health and thinking about health, and I don't want to be like the police or anything or a judgmental. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying, as you become aware of some of these compounds that are in, you know, certain, you know, things that we do to ourselves, you know, and you said, well, you got to weigh the the risk yeah. of it. I, I, I just think. Let me give you another. Let me give you another example that just happened yesterday. And I, I don't think you and I disagree on this. I think you, you've you've gone a little too far. You've said it's a bad substance. I'll never use it. I, I just take a different approach. It's not a bad substance. It's a substance. It has good things about it. Has bad things about it. It, it has a lot of good things, and I've done that work to know that. I've done the testing. I've done the research. There are huge benefits sometimes to this. But I will also say I am fine just using it as a recreational substance. I, I'm okay with that. I, and I choose to do that. Um, not everybody has to choose to do that. I, I understand that. But it, 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 part of the confusion comes in is it, – it, when I try so hard to compare it to alcohol because I want people to at least start thinking about them the same way. In reality, they're not the same. Cannabis is far more superior. It actually has benefits. We don't even know what they all are yet. But let's at least treat them the same. They're a substance human beings use to, to 
alter their consciousness. And we have, as human beings, we have altered our consciousness since the first time we figured out how, and we've never stopped. And, and I don't see it as a problem if it's managed well. Okay. And I, I want you to know, I'm not judging anybody who, who does, who says, I, I want to do this. I would never judge anybody by saying, Hey, you, you shouldn't be doing this. But for my own personal, like, as I, as, you know, I'm ne- I've never used it before, but I've, for myself, I don't think I wouldn't do it. And I'm certainly not judging anybody else who decides to do it. And I would talk, I just want to support you a hundred percent in that thought process. And I would, I would tell somebody who has never smoked cannabis, that, why start? It's it's not a requirement, but it's also not the evil that we've made it out to be and continue to make it out to be to this day. But like you, you, you wouldn't take a look at it and say, yeah, this is a this is a problem. And I know it's, it's Bob, got its Bob, benefits and Bob, it's you're got not listening to me. You said about you're, you're the problematic. Question. Stop. You're questioning me. You wouldn't look at it. Bob, nobody's looked at it as much as I have. Try to find somebody who has studied it or tested it or used it. I'm sure there's somebody out there. But for for you to ask me as though I won't look at it, I have looked at it just like you did, but I came to a different conclusion. Okay. No, and I I don't mean to disagree with you or push back. I I don't mind you disagreeing with me, but the way you just said that, you assumed I don't understand it. That I haven't no, done no, the please. work. No, no, I, I know you understand. It. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know I, you. You understand it. I'm, I'm talking about all the people that are are listening, are there that are out there that are told, oh, there's no problem with this stuff. There's no, wait, there's well, no reason that you shouldn't hold on use a second, it. Bob. You've never heard me say that. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that sometimes you, I'm, I shouldn't say sometimes. I've heard you say. You know that this is not that problematic. It's less problematic than alcohol. It is. And that is a true it, statement. It, it it may be, but it doesn't. I'm just saying it doesn't come with some issue. Nothing. That's, does. that's all I'm saying. Nothing and that does. People should be aware of it. Everything in life has risk. We have gotten to the point where we think we can eliminate risk. We can't, and we don't want to. Hell, if you're worried about risk, you should never get in a vehicle ever again. It's one of the most dangerous things we do. Vehicles today in the United States. I have control of that vehicle. No, yeah, but you don't have control of the vehicle next to you. You don't have control of the vehicle coming at you at 60 miles an hour. I have have control of my vehicle that I put my seatbelt on. Oh, Bob, please. Let's just look at the statistics. I have control of my vehicle. you, everybody has all this control over their vehicles. Yes, yet we we will kill a hundred people today on the highway. A hundred, and you think that's control and it's safe? Hell, it's not safe. It's not even close. It's one of the most dangerous things we do. You're right. I think you're absolutely right. I was just saying that, like when you, if you smoke marijuana, you don't know what's going to happen once it goes yes, into I do. you as a person. Yes, I do. I know exactly what's happening. Why do you keep saying I don't know? You, you know that about you, but you don't know it about Joe Bob over here. Sure I do. That doesn't know how his chemistry is sure made. I do. Come on. Why? Do Come on. I, 
I, why would I go through this? about bio-individuality bio all the time. But we also, I've also been the one that claimed and admitted we made a mistake with this whole bio-individuality thing. We're not that different. We are 99.9% exactly the same as every other human being on the planet. No matter what color we then are. Why, Kevin? Why? Yes, there is some aspect of individuality, but not much. Not nearly then as much. Why, as we when thought. I drove, drive through Denver and I go through Denver and, I, and you see these guys, or any place, any town in Colorado where marijuana is legal, you see people on the street living in tents. Now, you can smoke marijuana and, and you, you do just fine. Now, these people go and they smoke marijuana and they have all of these problems that come along with that lifestyle. Why can one person Wait smoke marijuana Bob, and be a successful let, let person? Me, let me help you here because uh, you're misinformed on this topic. I will promise you there is okay. less than 2% of those homeless people that are there because of marijuana. They are there because of drugs. That is the single biggest reason for homelessness. No doubt. It's not marijuana. Nobody is homeless because of marijuana. It just doesn't happen. Really. They're homeless because of hard drugs like crack, um, Fentanyl, obviously, is the huge problem. Opioids themselves. It's not marijuana that makes people homeless. You're, you're really misinformed on that topic. I could be. I, and I could be. I mean, this is anecdotal. I just drive through towns like Fort Collins, and I see how Colorado live? has... Forget Colorado. Forget Colorado. Did you forget where I live? Portland. You live in Oregon. Portland yes, come is on. Terrible. I see that. That is not marijuana. Okay. I mean, I, I, I just now. I, do, I do, do those people smoke marijuana? Do, yeah, a bunch of them do. There's no doubt. I'm not saying they don't. What I'm saying that is not what led them to be homeless. Bad choices led them to be correct. Uh, homeless, absolutely. Correct? And I will say, drugs Bad are drugs are the number any. one reason for homelessness. Drugs are, but not marijuana. And somebody's going to say, "Well, marijuana was the gateway drug." No, it wasn't. Nicotine or alcohol was, if you want to get really serious about it. Both of those are drugs, and almost everybody does nicotine and alcohol before they do cannabis. So I don't know why we call cannabis the gateway drug. I I, I don't. I, I just, I find it that, you know, I just see the states that have these laws in place are the states that these people are attracted to, that they're, problem, they're, so, they're problematic so people. Bob, here's, here's the mistake you're making here. You are confusing correlation with causation. And we say never to do that. Health, it's a big, big problem. People confuse correlation and causation. You are correlating the fact that states with legal cannabis have more homeless, which isn't true, by the way. That that statistic does not hold up across the board. It, it's anecdotal. We see it. But that doesn't mean... Do, do you know that eating ice cream leads to more drownings? 
because it's summertime and they're next to the pool. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's the difference between causation and correlation. You just tried to claim that legalizing marijuana creates more homelessness. It's not true. And I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like that guy either. Cause I don't, I don't, I, I think people should all be able to make their own decisions. They want to wreck so themselves, wreck yourself. And if, so if, if you don't believe that you're wrecking yourself, that's fine. But my real point was once you like become aware that this may wreck me, then you should probably, eh, I personally would probably just say, no, thank you to that. And which is fine. I, I don't think making illegal uh, marijuana illegal helps. I, I, I want it to be legal. I want everybody to make, I guess I'm a libertarian. I want everything to be legal. I want us to all make choices once we're aware of these things that could harm us or, or may harm us in. I, in we're we're going to stop right there because after all okay. that circular debate, you and I just agreed on the entire topic. We have the exact same approach. I think the same thing. All these things should be illegal. There should be no laws that protect me from myself, but I want more people to be educated. It's why I do what I do. It's why I fight for these cannabis laws, because I think it should be legal. I think it should be legal for truck drivers. And then I want to educate them on how to, if you want to incorporate into your life, how to do it in a reasonably good manner that might actually improve your life. Or then I if guess you we don't do want to do it, because then I don't totally do agree. it. I'm all for that. Yeah, I, I, I guess we do agree. I mean, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Just educate people, make people aware, make people think about what they're doing to themselves, and then you make the decision. Is correct. that correct? Absolutely. Okay. We don't disagree on this really at all. I hate, it. I hate to disagree with you. I mean, I, I'm yeah, winning. We don't. <laughs> we don't. I love, I, I, mean, we, I love we, your show. We, I love we disagree everything. on some details or, you know, you know, maybe I got a new way of thinking about it from you. Maybe you got a new way of thinking about it from me. But 99% of this topic we agree on. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. See, there's, there's, there, hell, right there, right there is how good debate works. Nobody called anybody names. We disagreed. We got a little heated at times and ultimately came to a point where we figured out, hey, you know what? We really kind of agree on most of this. That, that's you know, the, now that's that the I way we used it, to I debate in this country. Do we don't do that because Actually, I really think you made me see a different side of what I was thinking. I was almost thinking the same thing you were thinking, but now it's more clear to me that that that's that's what happens when when we are able to have good debate when we're able to have good debate then we all learn something we we get a new perspective on things I, it's one of the biggest problems in our country right now is we are so divided we can't debate anymore isn't that crazy i i how did we get so I don't know. pushed into our corners. I don't know. That we can't even go over and talk to a neighbor because they think a, a totally different way. You know, I mean, right. I was having dinner with a neighbor and I happened to say something that they, they did not agree with. I have not, this was six months ago. I have not talked to that neighbor since. 
And and I don't. It it it's probably as much my fault as I, his I fault. Know. But we are so divided. Sometimes you think, "Golly, what?" You know, you're afraid to say anything around people. Yeah. And <laughs> well, imagine me being living living in Oregon. Holy cow! You know, I I have to think about that. Luckily, I, I found this tiny little town that seems to have a whole bunch of libertarians in it. For some weird reason, in Oregon, I, I'm a little shocked that. I do have a lot of neighbors that I can actually talk to. I have a whole bunch that I'm very, very careful about what I say. Uh, it, it, look, I, I can get really controversial here on the air, and I do, and I do it for a reason. I, th- I think it helps make a point. I think it helps people understand things. But I'm also smart enough to know I don't do that with my neighbors. I don't do that locally. Oh, hell no. It, there'd be no purpose in that. It, it, it's just It's not a good idea. So I... I it's not that I try to hide who I am. They know who I am. They could go online. They they know they could listen to my show. Hell, they would know who I am. And and some people here in town do. But I, I don't talk that way with my neighbors. It just wouldn't be a good idea. Oh, yeah. You you 100 percent have to be aware. Well, there, you know, of, there's there's who you're I, I'm sure right now there are people that were pretty shocked um, about the way I'm talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I'm I'm glad he's in the race. I hope he does well. I I wish he didn't have this speech issue. I I, I can't say enough how much of an issue that is. It's unfortunate. I watched him last night and I have a hard time listening to him. It's it's painful to try to listen to somebody struggle to speak like that. And unfortunately, to be a leader, speaking is, is a big thing. So just unfortunate because I think his I actually like a lot of his politics, not a hundred percent, not even close. There are several things I completely disagree with. How do you think the Democrats are going to handle him? Oh, you can already tell how, how they're going to handle him. You it, uh, listen to how the media and any other Democrat refers to him. I watched it again last night. The first thing that comes out of their mouth, he's an anti-vaxxer. But they're not, what about the whole Camelot? They got to respect him. They got to treat him very no, carefully. I would think, you know. No, they don't. They no, are going they're just going to go right after him. Even with all the stuff that's coming out, you think the Democrats are going to hold tight to this? Yes. This anti, yeah, you know, I do. All of this, and I think the media is going to continue helping them. The media and the Democrats will destroy Kennedy. Huh. Look at what I, I figured they were going to have another example. Oh, here's another example. We do not have to go very far back in history, a couple of years, and Elon Musk was the champion of the left. He's going to save the planet. He's building electric cars for everybody. He was their champion. They couldn't say enough good stuff about the guy. Do you see how they are treating him now? They are trying I absolutely to do. Him. Yeah. I, I, I watched oh a, my I, I watched a commentator this morning, and this is a this is a journalist whose only job all day long, somebody pays this woman to critique Fox News. That's it. That's all she does. No other news channels. She all day long she posts 
critiques of every show on Fox News every day. I, I can't imagine, first off, who's paying somebody to do that. And what a horrible job that must be. I, nobody could pay me enough money to sit around and critique CNN all day. Um, but that's her job. That's what she does. She posted this morning, oh, my God, you know, Elon Musk's rocket blew up and Twitter's losing money and Fox is just promoting losers. Anybody in their right mind that could refer to Elon Musk or any of his endeavors as a loser? How twisted do you have to be? So the rocket blew up today. Did this person or anybody else criticizing this forget that the U.S. government blew up two space shuttles and killed people? It's a dangerous business trying to get to space. We are going to blow things up. We are going to kill people. But to, to criticize, I, mean, I think they lose flight. This of- was a test flight. This was we weren't launching this rocket for a purpose. It's a test flight. This is how it's supposed to work. You want your explosions to happen during test flights, so you figure out how they won't happen in a real flight. Sheesh. I, I-, I think it's a real problem with society. People who try to do hard things. There's like this whole group of people who are just stood there. Oh, we're going to judge that guy for all of the problems. I mean, it, it, it may be, a, you know, this high level of Eli Musk or all the way down to a little dinky guy like me. You know, when you go out there and you do risky things and it blows up in your face, then everybody's going to be standing there on the sideline. Or there's a group of people that are going, I told you, I knew he I knew that wasn't going to work. I, I told him, I told him. But you know what? My riskiness or Eli's riskiness, taking these huge risks are what gets you, you know, forward in life because you get that big victory at the end of it all. And I think people have, you recommended a book that I listened to is called Atlas Shrugged. And in the book, they talked about how society would start, you know, nobody wanted to take any risks. People wouldn't risk their jobs and, and society stagnated and and, and no, and in, in fact, in the book, it's such an amazing book. I can't believe it was written so long ago, but it talked about corporations that would go against their best interests. You know, they would hurt themselves on purpose. And that's what's exactly happening today. Absolutely. Look at what Budweiser just did. And not only did Budweiser do it, when it was pointed out to them, they doubled down. Yeah. Double down yes. and, and made and made some ridiculous pandering yep. commercial like everybody's just going to, oh, oh, they made the commercial with the horse on it again. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to go back and buy some Bud Light. Hey, guys, guess why you don't buy Bud Light? Because it's what's in the can, not what's on the outside of the can. Well, that's true, too. All right. Hey, Bob, with that, um, I'm going to cut you loose because the uh, calls are starting to pile up on me. Jump in and join us. I'll be here as long as. Oh, by the way. We do not have rolling toe today. Um, the Becketts are busy, and I also think they're busy next week. So rolling toe is not going to be back till the 4th of May. That means today I'll stay here until we run out of calls. So 855-950-3835. We're off to Texas this time. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your uh, mind today? I want to, well, I, I just want to comment real quick 
about cannabis. Um, I'm not a user of it. I have tried it in the past. It always knocked me on my ass and I didn't like the feeling it gave me. So I didn't continue to use it when I was a young man. I used, I used other drugs that kept me up and awake and awake and aware, <laughs> like cocaine and, and you know, stuff it, like that. I you, mean, this is just, you, just what, what I was. Yeah, you know, you know it, it, it's interesting. I'm sure there's some something there about that. Um, I, I, and look, I, I've been pretty transparent about my drug use over the years. Um, I've tried a lot of drugs. I can tell you how many, many drugs affect people. I'll tell you the ones I haven't tried. I've never tried heroin. Uh, I've never tried fentanyl. I have experienced opioids. Right. Most of us have, and they're all pretty similar in the way they make you feel. Some are just more powerful than others. Um, I have experienced well, yeah, I, I a lot of when I had my knees done. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I don't believe it. Many of them I've only used once or twice. I, I experienced it. Right. Not so, I could see lots and lots of downside and not a whole lot of upside. So why would I keep doing that? Um, but then there are right. people that I have continued using alcohol and cannabis. And um, to compare the two, I, I will tell you from my experience, which one has way more upside potential and which one has none. And all, all I try to get, I don't want to have to come on here and always try to like defend cannabis. Just like I don't want to come on and right. always have to try to defend brokers or defend carriers or whatever it might be. But sometimes these topics, I, I just want to get people to think about them differently. We get so locked in to this mindset. And unfortunately, everything we think we know about cannabis came from the government and most of it's wrong. Right. So what I would, what I would say, and I have no problem with legalizing marijuana, legalizing the use of cannabis. But what I would say is, if they're going to do that, then we, like you said, have to treat it like alcohol. They have to come up with some kind of test to wear like, like a breathalyzer where, you know, if you have certain amount of THC in your system after yes. so many hours, you can't do it. Um, you should be able to then do everything you can do driving uh, with, I mean, the driving, uh, drinking alcohol. You should be able to join the military. You should be able to own Absolutely. guns. You should be able to do yep. everything. Every that's the stipulations I would like to see if they're going to legalize this. You know what I mean? Correct. I would. I, I would like to see. You know. You know. I would like to see. But listen, if I if I drink alcohol, I can still go purchase a firearm and go shoot in the woods or whatever. Yes. So uh, you know, it it should be the same. Right now, it's not the same, unfortunately. You know. That's correct. So and actually, I just. The reason the reason I'm just saying this is because I just watched an interview with a congressman out of Florida, Brian Mass. He's a he's a, a war veteran. I think he lost one or two of his legs in, in the Iraq War, and he just presented a bill saying that people who use cannabis should be able to own a firearm. He's trying to get that passed through Congress right now. At least get it to the floor for conversation. I, I agree. We have so, states where if if you if they can prove you use drugs, which is pretty easy to do these days, then you can't get a concealed carry permit. Right. That's right, bullshit. Right, right. So they, you, you know, could be so, a raging so these, alcoholic and they'll still be, give you a permit. Exactly. That's why I think we need to have comprehensive reform on on the laws. 
not just the use of cannabis, but the, but the, the, everything else that goes along with that. So, you know, I mean, that's why, that's one of the reasons why the military can't meet, meet match their quotas because there's a lot of young people using cannabis. Yes. You know, absolutely. And, and, you know, if there, if there was, if there was a stipulation that, you know, Hey, this many hours before you go on duty or before you go you know, and you can't use it while you're out in the field, you know, in a war or whatever, you know, that's fine. You know, that, that, then, then let's do it. Let's do it the right way. Um, so that's how I feel about that. You know, I don't know what I, do you think now? I don't know. I haven't really had my finger on the pulse of this for really a decade or two. Um, I heard the new stuff on the street uh, is very different than the stuff back in the 90s, 80s, and 70s. Is that true? The cannabis? It's not even close to what was around back then. Um, cannabis today is wildly different from what we had in the 70s and is 80s. Is it stronger, though? Uh, is it stronger, though? Let me give you some numbers. The average cannabis okay. being smoked in the 70s was less than 2% THC. Three, if you okay. if you could get something that was maybe grown in Afghanistan or someplace like that, you might get three or four percent. Um, I okay. can, I can grow cannabis today at thirty percent. Okay, so it is strong, ten times stronger. You're getting more of an ten times. So you're stronger. getting more of an yeah. effect now. It, now here, I I also heard some of this stuff on good. So go ahead. two things with this. If I am a pretty big believer that we need to be careful when we start concentrating drugs. So if you take the coca plant, which cocaine comes from, you go down to South America for centuries, they use the coca plant in the same way we use coffee. The farmers, they'll, they'll grab a couple leaves off the plant of the coca plant, they'll chew them and they'll hold them in their cheek like chewing tobacco. And from that, they get a stimulant, just like we do from caffeine. It's a really mild stimulant when you just chew the plant itself. We take that plant and we use all kinds of chemical processes and we concentrate it to create cocaine. Then it becomes dangerous. It's not dangerous in the natural plant form. Those people have been chewing it for centuries with no real downsides. Just like we can use coffee to an advantage if we don't abuse it. Coffee does help us think clearer. It helps us physically perform better. There are advantages to these compounds, but then they can be abused as well. So we have to be careful of over-concentrating cannabis. That is where we're starting to see the problems. Edibles are highly concentrated. It's much, much easier to abuse an edible than it is a flower and smoking it. So we do need to be aware of those things, and we should be aware of those things, and we should educate people. But just just I have the, a, the cannabis I have a funny is, is very potent these days. And then if we concentrate it, you are going to start to see physical addiction and physical problems from cannabis because we're concentrating it too much. Right, right. Because I have a, I have a actually a quick funny story. My wife went up to New York a while back, a couple of years ago. This was, and my daughter was living with my in-laws at the time, so she was there. And my wife has, you know, anxiety and all this other stuff that she, you know, she 
won't work on. But anyway, she's, you know, she's the typical mom. She snoops around the room when the kids are away and makes sure that she finds everything she can find. So she opened up my, this is my youngest daughter now who's married with children, but she opened up one of her drawers. I don't know which one. And she saw these gummy bears. <laughs> and so she loves gummy bears, right? So she, so she, she took one or two. Well, she looked really good. She didn't understand why. She didn't know what. Right. So, so, uh, so she was saying, Molly, I love those gummy bears. She says, Mom, you ate those gummy bears? She got them from a friend in Colorado. They were THC laced gummy bears. <laughs> so, I, you know, me, I'm, I'm calling my wife, my wife, who's never done drugs in her life, never tried them, always thought she was going to be the one that got something bad and, and dropped dead of a heart attack from cocaine. So she was one of the girls that just never tried that stuff. Me, I just threw caution to the wind and did everything I could do. Yeah, but, uh, so we're kind of, op- we're kind of opposite on, on a lot of things. Her and I, well, I guess that's why we work for 30 years, but, yeah. um, uh, you know, so I, I, here I am, I'm calling her. I says, you, you're a, you're a, <laughs> drug addict now teasing her all up and down you know it was just it was just such a such a fun you know she says oh my god i can't believe how good it felt and i'm like i slept so, like a baby i said of course you did <laughs> so I, I i've told the story when um you know my my mother-in-law um was in in the final stages of copd and uh, we brought her out here to live with us and it was a wonderful experience i right. i had a great time. We, I cooked and it, it was just a lot of fun. And, and she was struggling with the COPD. And at one of the problems, you know what you feel like if you can't breathe, does that produce oh, yeah. a little bit yeah. of anxiety? That's what people with COPD oh, go through. They, they, they have real problems with anxiety because they can't get enough air. And we could see that. I could see the stress yep. it was causing her. And she's the same way. Never yep. taken a drug in her life. And she's in her 70s at this point. She's never taken a drug in her life. And and I said, hey, you know, why don't you try one of these gummies? It's one of the easier ways to, to take it. And gave her a tiny little piece of it. And we're talking to her. And, you know, you could watch the physical transformation. From this anxiety intense yeah. and and all of a sudden she was smiling and you could see her face had relaxed and um, she was happy and she was kind of giggling a little bit and she had a good night's sleep. That's what I mean. There are medicinal right. benefits to this and and we have demonized it so bad. Well, you know, it's it's becoming more and more of a bigger business. You have guys like John Boehner now, who's a lobbyist for the cannabis and stuff like that. So it's becoming more and more where they they can make more money on it, taxable income, whatever, whatever it is, you know. So it's going to start becoming more and more legal, I think, throughout the country. I think they just have to have some kind of safeguards around things like operating equipment, driving and, and, you know, and just have responsible, responsible requirements. I completely agree with that. And it's really easy to do. We've already done it for alcohol. Just do the same stuff. Right. Exactly. Do the same stuff. We know what to do. We've already done it. Exactly the same. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. We don't develop the testing that that'll, we don't let people show up for work drunk. We should not let them show up for work high. And honestly, I can promise you, it is far easier to hide alcohol use than it is to hide cannabis use. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. There are I lots mean, of people that walk around drinking, smoking all drinking life. vodka yeah. out of a water bottle and nobody knows they're drunk and they drink vodka because you can't smell it. They they are able to hide any of the symptoms. It, it, it happens a lot and it does happen with cannabis. It's much more difficult. You can look at somebody and know they're high. It's not that hard. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can tell. I mean, I remember coming home one time after being gone for two or three days. And I was living with my parents at the time. I was just got out of the Navy. And um, uh, I, uh, my father, you know, saw me. He says, are you okay, pal? You know, <laughs> like he could tell right away. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell right away. I was coming off. I was coming off a four day binge in Atlantic City with a bunch of friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's easy. You know? it, it, it's really yeah. easy to tell somebody's consumed cannabis. There are a lot of visible signs. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh, on the AI front, I think we're in a catch 22. Um, I think it's, it's uh, you know, like they say, the proverbial horse is out of the barn. Um, yeah. I, 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 I watched the interview with Elon Musk. It was kind of, edited so i want to watch the full interview that that they released on fox news um you know the 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 compassion and the moral aspect of it i think that previous caller was trying to 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 talk about um i think that's where we're going it's going to run awry um where human beings have a moral compass some of us most of us um I think that's where AI could run, run rampant because it doesn't have, it's just, yes, it's black and white. There's no gray area where humans are fallible for that gray area in good and bad. So I think that's where we're going to have issues. We will absolutely have an issue there. There's no doubt. I'm just as afraid of issues we can't even see yet. There's there's so many uses of AI that I didn't even understand. So if there are uses and upsides that we didn't see, there's a whole bunch of problems and downsides that we don't see yet either. Oh, no, I agree. And I think that um, like even even Musk hesitated on solutions because he doesn't know what the what the issues are yet. Right. Exactly. You know, he, he was he was really I mean, through that interview, he was really struggling with with some kind of an answer where there really is no obtainable answer right now. Um, at least I thought that's how I felt the interview went. Um, right. So it's 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 a good time and it's a scary time. Any any time we introduce something new, it has that level of 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 unknown that we don't know exactly where it's going to go. That, that's that. That's probably the scare. Yeah, we're almost always scared of the things we can't see. You know that that's just human nature. Yeah. That that I, once we can see something and know it, then we can start working on it and and minimize it or find a solution. It's the stuff we can't see or understand that scares me the most. Well, I think that's the the process that Musk wants to achieve here is that he wants to he wants to. Uh, try to get it to break so he can figure out solutions when it does. Yeah. And control it somehow in a, in a, in an, in an environment. 
You know, I mean, I what he was saying about it being in supercomputers and and I don't know. I mean, you have all of these futuristic movies that show how you know you have what is that? The, there was the iRobot movie, and I'll tell you what. Uh, just to get back to what you were saying about um, having AI and technology do everything for us. I'll tell you a perfect movie that will subject everyone to this is a, ch- a children's movie. Uh, it's a Pixar movie, WALL-E. It's an, and, and it's funny, these people wake up in space and they're all fat. They can't even use their legs because they've been sitting so long. They're atrophied. It, and this is a cartoon. This is a, a, a Pixar movie. It's called WALL, W-A-L-L slash E, WALL-E. Okay. And the robots are running the whole entire ship. And it's, it really is if you just stop doing everything and letting technology do everything to you. See, you, these, they're running around these pods, these like uh, flying chairs. And they're just sanitary beans. And they just, a couple of them try to get up and they can't even stand. <laughs> right. On, it's just, they have no muscle. Yeah. They have no I, muscles in their, in, their, in their legs. It's really... When you were talking about this earlier, I said that just came to my head. So people want to go just. And, and you know what? That's already happened. Oh, yeah. Human yeah. beings are horribly yeah. weak today. Well, listen, they, they, my wife is a big um, virtual reality TV watcher. They, they, they glorify this. My 600-pound life, 1,000-pound sisters. Yep. They, they glorify this. They glorify this. They there, have these, you know, and uh, there's a huge trend on social. Loser, there, there's, there's a huge trend on social media right now. Um, and that's interesting. The big fat loser had two problems. They were actually trying to help all these fat people. They were just going about it the wrong right. way. My God, the trainer had a heart attack and now he pushes a pharmaceutical drug. So that was a disaster. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, yeah, he pushed the statin. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, he, he does push a statin. He also pushes some other pharmaceutical, Brillanta. I don't even know what the hell that is, but it's some pharmaceutical drug for people that have had a heart attack. And on the commercial, while yeah. he's talking about he's going to now take this pharmaceutical drug because he's so healthy and he's making a smoothie. <sighs> so I know. Yeah, I know. Um, so well, you got you know you got the balance of nature. They're going to take it for life. There's another one I've been seeing now. It's called Sleet Amine. I haven't and seen it's some that kind one. of drink. It's yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a uh, uh, I don't know what it is. I just started seeing this commercial. You mix it in a drink once a day, and it and it, it's an anti-inflammatory. And the guy says, after using sweet, I mean, I can jog ten miles now. Oh my god! You know? <laughs> oh, yo, oh, yeah, yeah. I just saw, I just saw it this morning, like for like this, like the third or fourth time. I'm like, what the hell? Oh. So. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, so I, I think I'm going to go back to drinking scotch. I'm going to take um, I'm going to take sweet. I'm going to take uh, the uh, balance of nature, the, the balance of nature. And I'm going to take Ozempic and I'm going to be healthier. Than there you. you go. That's Sorry. right. That's right. <laughs> but um, all right. So I also want to talk about soil. OK, so I've been giving this some thought. I've been giving this some thought and I have a little. I thought moving to Texas, I'd have a little Ponderosa. I got, I'm in a subdivision. I have even less property than I had in, in New York City, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> my, house was, so, my house was actually smaller, so I had a same uh, lot okay. with a smaller 
footprint. Uh, right. So anyway, but I have I have the side one of the side yards. It's probably eight by maybe thirty or twenty five. You know. Okay. And I'm thinking about maybe doing something there, but nothing. Now Texas soil is clay, so I wanted to get I wanted to get um, nothing. I'm going to do this year, but I'd like to see about getting the soil. I, I listen to how you talk about your garden, how you've gotten the soil over the years to be more regenerative and more uh, working, you know, right. just you good, don't have good to, soil to grow know, stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So I like to get this side, this side patch, start a little bit this year and just not even try to grow or maybe grow stuff that I can just be <clears throat> it, kind of working towards getting the soil better. Here's you want an idea. What would work in Texas? Yeah, sure. oh, I have a great idea. So here's what you're going to do. And you will grow stuff this year. You, you could start on this right now and you'd be able to plant something in about two weeks. So you're going to go, you're going to figure out how big your area is that you want the garden to be in. And then you're going right. to go buy some hay bales that will outline that space. You with me so far? So figure out the distance and then measure hay bales and say, okay, with 12 hay bales, I'll be able to build the rectangle the size I want. Then you, then you're going to go get some, um, pure nitrogen fertilizer. They're, they're out there. Uh, you know how, when you buy fertilizer, there's always three numbers, three, six, nine, nine, six, two. It, that tells us the sure. the percentages of the three main components of the fertilizer. Okay. It's the nitrogen where right. we want a zero, zero, 10, uh, pure nitrogen is what we're looking for. So if you're not sure, just okay. ask somebody at the garden store, they'll get you pure nitrogen. It's a, it's going to be like, um, like a powder, like little balls. Um, you take a, a bunch of that and spread it over the hay bales and then water them heavily and do this every other day for about two weeks. And what it does is it speeds up the um, composting process. The nitrogen will start to break down that straw really quickly and start to compost it into soil. So then you build so your, you, build your hay, outline. Just, just, with to the stop, hay bales. just to stop one second, okay. with, the, with the hay bales, do I break after I get my outline? Do I break them no, open and spread no, that? No, nope, leave the Sorry, leave okay. the string on them. We want them to hold their shape as good as possible. By the end of the season, they they may be falling apart, but we want them to try to stay together. So after our now, once you build the outline, you start conditioning your hay bales for about two weeks. You're also going to have them bring you a load of garden soil. You want to. Otherwise, it's going to take us a long time to do this. We need to jumpstart the process with some good garden soil. So again, you're going right. to you're going to figure out your square footage. Um, I would buy enough garden soil to give me about six inches of depth. That'll be enough to get started and plant this year. So have them deliver it. They fill in your little pool that you created with some of the soil. It's not going to fill the whole thing up. We're just going to get about six inches. Now you can plant inside in that garden soil. It's not going to be perfect, but it will grow some stuff. You'll get some produce and every year it'll start to get better. The hay bales. Now, after two weeks, you're going to dig a hole in the top of the bale. And then you're going to fill that with some potting soil. And then you're going to plant right into those hay bales. 
those are going to grow like crazy. I was shocked at how good stuff grows in hay bales. And then at the end of the season, you knock the hay bales apart and leave it all there in a pile and it starts to compost. And next year you can do the hay, you can do the hay bale thing every year if you want, because it's pretty cool growing in the hay bales. It works really well. And then that hay is just awesome material to feed the soil. And before you know it, you've got incredible soil like this. Two or three years, and I am shocked at how good the soil becomes. Now, should I should I Google what would grow best down here? No. Because I'm well, in well, you can. I should say no, but um, you can. And uh, my my preference is. I experiment a lot. And sure, I go read things, what variety might be better. And, and that, that information is available. You'll want to look up what's called your USDA hardiness zone. It's going to be a number okay. like in Texas. I think you're probably going to be an eight, depending on where you are in Texas, which believe it or not, in Oregon, I'm an eight. It's really, really bizarre. Right. It's just because of this weird little microclimate I'm in. Um, and it actually makes it harder for me. I, I've got to figure out a lot of things on my own. But almost anything's going to grow in Texas, really. I mean, you've got plenty of sunshine. You're going to have to give it a lot of water. But almost anything will grow in Texas. You, you will struggle right. a little okay. bit with what we call the cold weather crops. You might struggle a little bit trying to grow cabbage. You're going to want to grow cabbage almost in the winter it. time. Right, right, right. I got you. I got you. Yeah, because I don't have a huge area. And, you know, they, that may change with, you know, life. Who knows? You know, now my wife wants to get a bigger place. I told her we ought to wait for a while on that. But, um, I, you know, I when I was in New York, I was like every other old guinea. I just had tomato plants and right. some some, right. some zucchini. Little basil, You know, and it, it was a little, little yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, basil, you know, thyme. I had all those plants out there in the back and never really did much to them except had them watered every day and, and weeded them. And they all it, grew, you know, like it, wildfire up there. But it, it was, you, you know, know the what's fun? soil was a lot different, a lot richer. It, you you yeah. know how well tomatoes and basil go together, right? They're meant for oh, each yeah. other. yeah. Eating wise, food wise. Yeah. They're also meant for each other yep. in the garden. Yep. I plant rows of basil between my tomatoes. They do really well together. Yeah. I still have to do, I, I, as we're talking, I'm remembering. Remember Sarah uh, said that she um, she did the, the cherry tomatoes with the basil and the garlic. Oh, and yeah. Ferment? Oh, yeah. I have to do that. Oh, I, have, I have to ferment is what I have you, to start doing. Yeah. So I will tell you, if, if anybody who wants to get started fermenting, that would be my recipe that I would recommend to them. Do the cherry, tomato, basil, garlic thing. It is incredible. And it's so easy. And it ferments in 48 and it's hours. Raw garlic, right? raw, raw garlic, fresh basil, yeah. and okay. cherry tomatoes. Yeah. 48 hours, they're ready. It's that fast. And, and you will okay. not believe the taste. You, you've had a caprese salad, right? Oh, I make it all the time. I love that flavor. Caprese salad, I just absolutely, yeah. this tastes like the best caprese salad you've ever had, and it explodes in your mouth. Yeah, I get a very good high-end balsamic vinegar and, of course, a real straightforward cold-pressed olive oil yeah. on that. Yep. And then what I do now is I put avocado on top. Oh, there you and go. Wow. Yeah. What a night. 
what a nice little nice little appetizer. There you go. You know, nice thick slice of tomato, nice thick slice of mozzarella. Oh, you, um, you, you should fresh basil. Uh, you should go today and do this tomato cherry tomato thing. Really, I am going to actually. I am going to. Uh, yeah, you know, I I know how to make the brine. Um, I'm actually because I'm home and I'm local. I can I can keep everything together. That's Perfect. why I'm thinking more or less with a garden and stuff like that because I've been pretty much setting myself up here with local work. So it's been pretty good. Nice. Um, another another thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, we talk about these super, these super ingredients, these superfoods, beets and, and turmeric and all this other stuff. So what really drives me crazy is when, when someone who is kind of like-minded, like we've been talking about, you know, on a nutrition scale, grab, you know, post an article about one nutrient that is going to change your life. This morning, Marcola, he had glycine on there. I'm like, Come on. I mean, really, a whole article about how you have <laughs> 20, 30 grams of glycine every day and right. you're going to live forever. Right. I'm like, come on. I mean, he should know better than this. I agree. You know? I mean, I, I, agree. I, think, that. I think that anyway, you know, I, it just drives me completely insane because he's a re- respected name in the health food world. Yes, I, I agree. It just drives, drives me completely insane when I see an article from someone like him. Or if Chris Kressler put this up, or something, you know, someone I, I think is is very well, well educated, extremely well educated, and extreme, you know, and I know just put this up there. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. So you know what drives part of this? I've seen this so many two areas, and I've talked about this in the past. Two areas that I have studied extensively, I've been either licensed or certified in both of these areas over the years. I've helped Hold a on. lot of people with them. Okay. So, so I'm talking about either um, money or health. And what it ultimately yeah. came down to, I no longer practice and, and make any money as a CFP. I spent a lot of right. money and a lot of time becoming a certified financial planner. I don't make a penny doing that anymore. Um, the only way I make money helping people with their health, honestly, is because I sell them food and products. Very, very few few people ever pay me directly to help with their health. So I had to find right. another way to make money on it because I spend a lot of time on it. Here's what it ultimately comes down to. Both of these areas are so drop-dead simple that once you teach people about them, that what else is there to do? And then how do you make money? Yeah. I mean, how do I stay in business right. to help people get healthy if I can't make any money helping people get healthy? And then sometimes what we do is we yeah. tend to overcomplicate it so we can make more money. I, I don't know how we yeah, overcome I guess, that. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. It's a little frustrating when you get to it. You know, like I... I like, listen, I'll try anything, uh, hence why I am why I started with the keto, because it just made too much sense. You know, I, I, I tell people, I say, you know, I started listening to you because of trucking. And not that you, not that you, you basically all the mistakes I've made over the years to learn to be as educated as I am in the trucking business. Um, it cost me a lot of money, personally, because I made so many different mistakes and just, yeah. you know. Like I always say, when my father told me the oven was hot, I grabbed on with two hands, made sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, so, uh, you know, my friend, my, a good friend of mine 
you know, driver, uh, one of my mentors found you, you were nights and we- you were weekends and nights and stuff like that. So I would catch you and I said, man, this, uh, this guy makes too much sense. You know, a lot of stuff you were given people at the time, uh, your advice was, was spot on because I know from personal experience, cause I've made those mistakes. And that's you how know? I so learned I, it. This, I made all right, those mistakes too. Right. 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 You know, so, you know, I mean, I, I said, this is then, then you started with the health with Kim and, and, um, by the way, how is she? You still in touch with her? Hopefully. Yeah. You know, Brittany's her yeah, daughter. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's good. That's, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with her son, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Ben, right. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, you started talking about this and I, uh, again, Atkins and, and, you know, working out and powerlifting. And I, I knew how my body kind of worked, you know, so, but, you know, as we age, I think not that our metabolism gets, but all of this negative stuff that we're putting in our body gets harder and harder to shed. That's how I look at it. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. 40 years of the standard American diet. I mean, I was eating... I, I remember when I was a kid, I would sit there in the afternoon after school watching Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner and, 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 these, co- and these cartoons having a, a, a half a gallon of milk in front of me and a, and a sleeve of Chips Ahoy or Oreo. <laughs> exactly. You know? I know. Yeah, I'm so, I know. I, I've been doing this since I was a little kid, you know? So, um, uh, you know, I think we just, it's harder and harder to bounce, to get out of that as we, as we, have all this damage over the years done to our system that now we know that's happening. So when I started listening to you, you had made a statement that resonated with me so much. It just was, I mean, a blind man could see it. You said we're always hungry because we're not putting the proper nutrition in our body. Yes. And I said, that makes so much sense. It just, you know, I can eat, I can go to McDonald's, have a quarter pounder with cheese, a filet of fish sandwich, a 20 piece nugget and a large fry. And three hours later, looking to eat. Let me, let me explain something. I don't know if anybody else experiences this. I certainly do. I don't even have to wait three hours. The minute I'm done eating it, I'm full, but I'm not satisfied. Right. But, you know, I always, I always thought that was just it took some time for our digestion to work so i yeah that's i mean i'm telling you when i was 300 pounds what i just described as a meal at mcdonald's was um that was my meal at mcdonald's right a quarter pounder with cheese or a double quarter pounder with cheese a filet of fish sandwich and a 10 or a 20 piece chicken nugget with a large fry and a diet coke yep exactly <laughs> and that's that's and i didn't eat that, and not, i didn't eat that all the time but that's if i went to mcdonald's that's what i had and you know what you could go have lunch with a hundred people eat that in front of them nobody would ever comment on it go to lunch with somebody right. and order two steaks with no sides and watch what they do they will lose their mind They'll tell me I'm going to die of cholesterol. Exactly. I'm going to have right. a heart attack. Right. That's exactly what they would say to me. Yep. But I can sit with them at McDonald's and eat all of that. And food. nobody says God, a thing. You must be hungry. Right. 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 God, you must be hungry. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really insane. I remember, I you know, in New York City, we had White Castle. I'm sure you know what White Castle is being yeah. in the Northeast. Yep. 
I mean, I can I could sit down and 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 eat fifteen to twenty of those White Castle burgers like like nothing. Yeah, love oh, them. I, love we, them. I haven't had that in in ages, but you know where the area that yeah. I grew up. Northeast Ohio, really small area. They never franchised out of that area, but there were three or four of them around Akron. Um, they were called Hamburger Station, and they made little burgers, kind of like the 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 White Castle burgers. Um, right. Theirs was some oil that they used on the grill. I don't know what it was. I it, I wonder if they're still around. I should go back and find out incredible burgers. I mean, they were, I just loved those things and I could eat a dozen of them. Yeah. 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 They were, yeah. I remember White Castle would be in 10 cents a piece. That's how long ago <laughs> I remember them. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, man. I, we lived in, we lived in Staten Island and the only White Castle was right over the Verrazano bridge in Brooklyn. And my, with $5, my, my mother and I would go over there and we get the, pay for the gas, the toll, and me, my mother, and bring food home from my father from my castle and have change. Five dollar bill. That's how that's the buying power we had back in the seventies and You know, I, I talked about the fact that I started driving long before I had a license. Um <laughs> you know, my father was was delivering milk in a milk truck when he was fourteen with no license. So um, right. he, he started right. me driving really, really early. And I, do you remember, I don't know if they were that far on the East coast or not the red barn restaurant, fast food. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I do remember that, that was yeah. my dad's favorite. It was a chicken, kind of like a Kentucky fried chicken thing, but they had burgers and some right. other stuff too. Um, they were big around Northeast Ohio. We had one in our little town. The very first time I ever drove on the road by myself, I had, I was barely 14 and my dad wanted some and he didn't feel like going. So he told me to take the car and go. And I did. Uh, and then after that, it just started to become a pretty regular thing. Right. Right. Well, that's what happened with me. I, you know, I started moving cars around. Of course I would always start the truck up and with my grandfather, my uncles. And, you know, my grandfather, after I was able to move the truck around and everything, when we went to the pier, my grandfather would walk across the street to the bar and and he would say here here's the ticket where you put the empty and here's the ticket where you pick up the load pull it up to the front and then come get me there you go and i when i 11 12 years old i was doing that yeah you know and then when i got big enough I, they would let me drive on the street so it was yeah it was that's that's how i we we have a lot of similarities yeah. i guess it was just the time we grew up in and the area we grew up in, because that's, you know, I mean, and no one nowadays, you, I couldn't even do that with my children because of insurance reasons. I know. You know, yeah, trick cards and insurance reasons. You can't even do that anymore. Right. And we also had a blue law on Sunday where everything was closed. So to teach someone to drive, you just go out to oh, a local you, exactly. you know, shopping and center. Any parking lot you wanted, they were empty. For, right. Any parking lot you want. Yeah, they were empty. Yeah. So you yeah. can't even do that now because of you know, commercialization and everything. Yeah, good So point. it was, you know, it was, yeah. So it was a, just a different, I think it was a much better time in, in society. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think people just had more. You know, you just, you just made me think of something. It's a pretty common phenomenon that as we get older and we can look at our parents, our grandparents, if we knew our great grandparents, I don't think it's 
probably changed. Um, I, I think it's happening more now because change happens so much more now, but there's a pretty common pattern. Fred? Okay. Hello. Fred, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. I lost you there for a minute. So, you know, we're still dealing with other people's software and platforms. We're getting closer to ours. I can't wait. Um, But two days in a row now, my phone has dropped the call. That's new. That was never one of our technical issues. And not sure what's going on with that. I'm going to have to figure that one out. Um, what was I saying? What was the last thing you heard me say? Well, we were talking about, about uh, I said society was a lot better back then. I yeah. think it was, so the, you were the, going to make comments. Yeah, the pattern kind of is as we age, we tend to always look back and think we liked the old way better. Like, so if every generation does that and every generation does seem to do that now that I'm, you know, getting 60, I'm looking back, I'm looking at our life today and saying, you know what? I, I liked things in the seventies better than I like them now. That, yeah. that that's not progress. No, uh, sometimes We're, progress though. I don't know. I, sometimes I don't, I don't want some, some, some progress. Some I, part. I, there, like you know, the, we were talking about AI. Yeah, I, there, I, the 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 more I think about it, the less progress I want. Well, you know, I think progress is necessary and good, but when you when you have a whole generation of children that don't go outside, that are addicted to screens, and listen, I'm not, I, I don't, it's. It's parent. It's parental. It's parental. You know, uh, you know what? I, I'm actually going to defend parents here a little bit, and well, no, not completely. But I'm going to let them off the hook a little. It's it's really, really. I mean, imagine trying to raise a child today the way you and I were raised. I spent most of my time outdoors. Well, if I had a kid today and I send him outdoors, right. what the hell is he going to do? He's out there by himself. <laughs> I had 10 other kids well, that were out first. So it is more difficult now. Right. It's not impossible. I mean, I did not let my kids grow up staring at screens. They had to have other activities, and, and parents do have a big role here, and they need to be more proactive. But ultimately, it, it is really, really difficult well, to tell your child, no, you don't get to live like every one of your friends. You're going to do this instead. Right. Well, the thing is, I'm going to put it in perspective because I have children, you're at, you know, Michael's age and I have children younger than Michael. So I see a big difference between my 35 year old and my 20 year old. I'll bet. All right. So my 20 year old is my, my, you know, they, my oldest daughter had a group of friends. She was outside. She, and she was right there when AOL started and she had screen time. But they had a balance. And that's where I think we're missing that balance. Hey, more. Fred, how many adults yeah. have no balance when it comes to technology and screens? Oh, listen, I constantly had to get off of, yeah. of social media because I would I would waste I would waste it's hours. A, 
debating on 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 political issues. Right. I mean, I'm you know, I'm, it's horribly I'm, addictive. Right. It is. It is. I had to consciously listen. I still have a Facebook account. I still have an Instagram account. I go on Facebook and just go to the marketplace when I want to buy something. I don't go on Facebook for anything else. I never comment. I never look. I don't even look. I see 20, 30 notifications on when I open up. I don't even go in there. Yeah. So I stop social media. That type. I go on the tribe because it's, it's, it's just really about one thing. I mean, we do have the political stuff, which I'm, of course, not, not afraid of. And we have, but the, the tribe is generally, the trucking tribe is trucking. The healthy tribe is health. Those are two areas I like, areas I do know somewhat about now. Um, and I try to do what I can to help people. Yeah. yeah. And I've actually get, given my number out to some tribe members, and I keep in contact with them, and I've tried to help them through issues or give them my opinion and just or just shoot the, shoot the stuff, you know, which is nice. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I probably use technology more than anybody, and yet I'm not convinced that it was good for humans. Right, right. Well, you know, you hear all this stuff about the blue screens and how it it affects our brains and how it affects our sleep patterns. It absolutely does. And, you know, who knows if they they knew about this when they were releasing this, you know? Uh, know, Not really. the The like button. The like button sets sets off the endorphins that that cocaine or opiates right, does. Right. You, you know, know, I so, I, I, I know, don't and, think there were bad intentions. I think that this stuff kind of happens over time, and it is driven by money. No, I I agree. I agree with that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I didn't mean it to sound like there was bad intentions. Like they really wanted to get people right, addicted. Right. I think they capitalize. They capitalize on the on the on the. Well, now I the, think intended uh, consequences. Now I think they fully understand that, and they take advantage of it. Well, yes. I mean, there was uh, one interview I saw it, where. Um, they they make money by keeping you on online, and that right. oh that that right. stolen focus. Did you ever read that book um, by uh, by um, Johan? Uh, no, I, I forgot his name. Uh, yeah, Johan Johan Kari. Stolen stolen focus. No, very good. I'll bet. And this guy, this uh, he's he's from he's from England, and he did a whole deep dive into this why he wasn't productive anymore. And he's younger than us. Um, he had a, a he had a, an hour long interview with Carlson a couple seasons ago, and I got his book and read it. Really, really good. Something to definitely read. I would definitely recommend to read it. All right, um, I'm gonna put but, it on my Kindle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I listen to it audio, so because I'm in the truck all day long, you know. So I yeah, I get a lot. Of, I say I read things, but I I I listen to a lot on Kindle. Um, on the I have a a book, a Kindle on my seat, and I have the audio books on my phone. So there I try go. to keep myself right there. That's right. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't, that's what I, that's what I mean by a different, you know, just some more social contact, simpler life. Um, you know, I, I grew up a very uh, low end of the spectrum as far as finances went. Same with me. And I didn't want for anything. No, I didn't I, want, I didn't want for anything. I, I had a very, very happy childhood. I feel blessed. And, and I look back and, and I think yeah. I, I, I could live like that again. 
I, I could give up all of this technology. Wouldn't bother me a bit. Right. Well, I'll tell you what I, what I did after reading that book. I took all my notifications off of my phone. My phone does not light up for anything unless it's like my wife or my children. Yeah. Right. Or, or um, that's, that's, it, it's just, it's just stealing your focus. It is, it is. And, and, you know, it, it, I'm going gonna, gonna to cut you loose. You're starting to break up, but I got to get some other calls and um, it, it, it steals our focus in the moment, but it steals our concentration forever. We have a very, very hard time doing a deep dive into anything anymore. We we touch the surface and move on to the next thing. We have horrible attention spans and we can't concentrate anymore. And if you can't concentrate and think deeply about a topic, you can't ever really understand it and make it better. I, I as much as I use all of this technology and will continue to, I, I, I'd rather not. I mean, I wish the world wasn't the way it was, but progress is progress. Um, so it doesn't always mean it's good progress. Let's go to Alabama. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I had a number of questions for you. Yeah, I had a numbers question for you. So I'm trying to run my numbers through uh, Excel, and I get paid by the load. So uh, as far as the rate goes, they don't. I don't. They don't pay me for the deadhead miles. Okay. Should I add? Should I count the deadhead miles with the with the loaded miles when I'm figuring out my my overall rate? Because I'm doing that to figure out my fuel uh, my fuel cost per mile. Wouldn't it all be the same? Yeah, when you're doing expenses, we don't care if they're loaded or empty. And expense is an expense. I, I, okay. In, okay. In accounting, the only reason I would ever track empty miles, in most of my operations, I never tracked empty miles. It just wasn't important to me to do it. There might be times where you would want to, but the only reason we would track those empty miles would be to figure out a way to minimize them. It has nothing to do with taxes. It has nothing to do with accounting in general. A mile is a mile. I don't separate miles that I drove home from or to the shop or every mile that gets put on the truck gets recorded. That, that's the best way to do it. In fact, I give people a really easy method. Just put an alarm on your calendar, okay. on your phone. Put a reminder on your phone for the first of uh, every month. And when that reminder pops up, all you do is write down the odometer at that moment on the truck. And if I know what the odometer was on the first okay. of every month, I know exactly how many miles I put on that the past month. And that's all I care about. Total okay. miles put right. on the truck. Right, because when the load's being presented to me, it's it's you know it's looking like three dollars and a quarter per mile, but then when I when I go ahead and put in so, all the miles, you know it's obviously a lot lower. That's the so number, I'm wanting a higher uh, number. <laughs> well, right? Don't we want to know the truth? We don't want to fool ourselves into thinking we're right. making more money than we are. 
So the only reason, again, I'll I'll say this one more time. The only reason I would ever track empty miles was if I was in an operation where I controlled my own freight and I wanted to minimize my empty miles. Then I would track them and focus on them and figure out how to fix it. Once I got it fixed, I'd stop tracking it. Oh, okay. So you're saying don't track it when you're figuring out the rate. Just write down the odometer. Correct. What, Total. You know, if Total I wrote down the odometer from the first, though, to the first, okay, I got you. I understand. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just started listening to your show about a month ago. Oh, and, welcome. Uh, it's a great show, by the way. It, so, so Thank you. You, may, um, you. You may not know about something then. You, because you said you're doing this in Excel. Okay. C- congratulations, by the way, learning how to program Excel and using sheets like this. That's awesome. So I, I'm praising you for that. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, would you like a much, Appreciate much it. better solution? What's that? So I wrote a software program called Profit Gages, and it started as spreadsheets 35 oh. years ago for my own trucks. I started writing spreadsheets 30 some years ago, just like you're doing right now. And I used it to track all of these numbers. Uh, It's a lot of work. That's why I say congratulations. It's a lot of work to program a spreadsheet and you're constantly programming them. You don't get to quit. You got to keep doing it. So I took all of my spreadsheets that I had been using over the years and I wrote a true software program, a database program to do the accounting for you. And it is uh, so much faster and more powerful than those spreadsheets. Um, And we charge, I don't know, 23 bucks a month or whatever. Um, But it it will do all this for you. It will do all the the mileage calculations and the percentage calculations and, and show you exactly how much you're making per mile, how much you're spending per mile in every category. And it takes about 30 minutes a month to put in the data. That's it. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, because I'm using QuickBooks. I'm, I'm doing is, QuickBooks and Excel at the same time. So that's funny, Jason. So I, I said I wrote my software based on my spreadsheets, which is true, but I left out a piece. Uh-huh. For my own trucks at the time, um, I started using QuickBooks. When, the very first month QuickBooks hit the market, I think it was like 1989 or 1990, I bought QuickBooks. We still use it today for our business now. I ran the trucks off of QuickBooks and spreadsheets. My software program is actually a design of QuickBooks and a spreadsheet just for trucks. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll definitely have to check that out. Whatever makes my life easier because I'm finding myself, I'm constantly on my downtime, jumping between programs to pump in all these numbers. Yeah. And, and, Again, kudos to you for doing that. That's how you run a successful business. I did the same thing. And then I got to a point where I thought, this right. is this is valuable information, but I am spending too much time on this. I need a better way. And, right. and at one point, I thought right. the better way was to let somebody else do the accounting. And then I figured out that wasn't a better way because then I didn't understand it. Right, exactly. So, you got to know your numbers. So I that's what drove me to wrote, write the software that would do all of those things specifically for an owner-operator. 
No other business would want to use my software. It's that specialized. Okay, where can I find that? Letstruck.com. Let's truck. Okay. All right. Um, uh, oh, a couple of shows back, I heard somebody say, and they were in the same situation I'm in. I don't have an inverter on my truck, a fridge, nothing. And me and my fiance, we were just talking about it before your show. I'm living off of energy drinks and fast food out here. Oh, I'm not going to last long out no, here you're not. at that rate. <laughs> no, you're not. So you um, we were trying to figure out how I can get food on here. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to trade your energy drinks for kombucha. Have you ever had kombucha? Kombucha. Kombucha. K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. You can find it in every grocery store today. It will be refrigerated. It has to be. Um, You're only going to want to drink like one of these a day. You're not going to be want to be sucking them down three or four a day like you might be doing with energy drinks, but they're carbonated. They're naturally carbonated. They're fermented and it's got good probiotics and okay. it, it will help replace that that energy drink and all the carbonation and that. So that's a, a good substitute. One of those a day. The other thing you're going to do is learn how to pressure can meat. Once you pressure, that's what I was trying to ask you about. Yep. Now you can take that with you on the road and it needs no refrigeration ever. It will last for years. I still have some meat I canned in 2017 and it's still good. Okay. Yeah, because right after that show, uh, you were telling that guy that was uh, driving the cab over to put a bunch of cans in his front seat there. Yeah. And it was like an epiphany. I'm like, that's the answer right there. I can start canning meat. Yeah. But how, how good is, how good does that taste? I mean, is it all mushy? Nope. Like do whatever, you, you know what I mean? Is it like mushy you, food every time you eat it? Do you like pulled pork? Love pulled pork. Uh, if you were to eat a, a jar of my canned pulled pork, you might say it's the best pulled pork you've ever had. <laughs> So that's awesome. So any so meat like pork, chicken, beef, you actually want to buy the cheaper cuts now because they pressure can better. You don't want to buy ribeye. You're not going to can ribeye. You would destroy it. It would be awful. You want to can short ribs okay, and shanks and those cheap cuts that nobody knows what to do with. And they have a bunch of fat and collagen and all. That's what we want. And they can really well. They break down to like shredded meat. So you could have shredded beef, pulled pork, shredded chicken. We do turkey. Turkey is one of our favorites. It ends up like pulled turkey. And then you can also do all of the ground okay, meats nice. and they come out just like cooked ground beef. I, I can ground beef. I can ground sausage. I can ground pork uh, and they come out just like ground beef. Open up the jar, make tacos with it. It's done. Now, do you, do you cook it prior to putting it in your pressure canner? Because those so, pressure canners I saw that are for sale. They, 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 they double as a pressure cooker. Correct. So, You will learn, and there's tons of tutorials online. I have some on our website. I've recorded them so you can go watch mine. You can do it both ways. There is a method called raw pack, and there's a method called hot pack. Both of them work just fine. 
It's more of a personal preference. I tend to do a hot pack. I, I tend to cook the food some. Um, like if I'm going to do a pulled pork, I'll put it on my smoker. And instead of bringing it up to 210 degrees, where which is where pork will start to pull, um, I'll only cook it to about 160 right. degrees internal just to get the smoke on it. I, I want the smoke, but I don't have to cook it all the way. I get the right. smoke on it, just cook just enough that I can break it down into, you know, chunks, cubes, pack it in, and then it will finish cooking in the pressure cooking process. But I also have cold packed, just put raw chicken cubes into a jar, put in a little broth and cook it, and it will still come out and just fall apart like shredded chicken. Okay. Now, I, so I want to change my diet and implement that for sure. Um, and I'm hearing a bunch of people on your show talk about your keto plans and stuff like that. Is there something on your website where I can, uh, uh, that you would recommend for like a program that you, ha- you offer where I can get on board with eating healthier? We have a lot of full blown courses that you go through, like a, you know, a lesson at a time. Um, we have them on both health and business. So I'll, I'll give you just an idea. We have a free course you can take on profit gauges, teaches you how to use the software I just talked about. Um, we have a, we have a course that right. is called Keto Jumpstart. You, you take the course on your own self paced, teaches you all about keto, everything you want to know. Um, we have one about buying fuel properly. Um, we have one about becoming an owner operator and getting started. We have a ton of them about health though. The way you find those either write this down or, you know, go back and listen on the app again later, learn.letstruck.com. That's our, that's what we call Let's Truck University. And that's where all all of our courses are. Okay. Wonderful. I'll definitely check that out. Well, Kevin, I'm pulling up to my uh, pickup here. It was been, it's been great talking to you. So just to, just to clear that up, you're saying, uh, just count all my, well, isn't all miles, isn't all miles including the empty miles? Yes. And, but at the want. same time, you're saying all no, miles are empty miles. I, I, well, okay. no, we are counting all miles always. I think where I confused you, and I want to go back right. and clear this up. If, if you had an operation and you felt like you were driving too many empty miles and you wanted to make it better, then we would track empty miles separately for a little while. We would still use all miles to, to calculate our numbers, but then we would start a separate calculation of empty miles so we could look at it once in a while and say, okay, how can I do less of this? Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. Good. That clears that up. Good. Thank you for your, thank you for your time, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New Jersey. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on? Uh, oh, oh, about that last call, uh, he said he was taking the energy drinks. Uh, is it kombucha fermented tea? So it, is. it would have a little caffeine in there for him? It is. And if you... No, it, there's caffeine in there, no doubt. Um, it, and you, okay. should, you should. That's probably what he was after. You should also look. Some kombucha is brewed with black tea. 
Some kombucha is brewed with green tea, and I have even seen some, it's pretty rare, but with white tea. Black tea has the most caffeine, green tea has less, and white tea has even less than that. Yeah, because, you know, kind of hard to get people to, you know, they like that energy. So when you say kombucha, they may not realize they can replace the caffeine with it, maybe, you know. Yeah, not that that's still have it. You know, the, the caller sounded to right. me like he, yeah, yeah. he was just really in. He wanted to do the healthier thing. I mean, it sounds to me like he's he's right. committed and he's going to make the change. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, we got our oxalate hammers out all the time now. And Tammy had a question about uh, would you worry about the inulin or the chicory root that we use to make, uh, you know, um, the yogurt? No. Uh, oh, you wouldn't worry about it? Okay. Nope. All right. Because does the, does the fermenting process kind of... It does. Fermenting um, does, does minimize okay. oxalates, right? So um, if okay. we're going yeah. to eat a... a and, and like I said, the point is not to get to zero oxalates. That, that's not our goal. We want a, yeah. we want a, a, a level of oxalates so we make decisions. And if we ferment those foods, then yeah. that allows us to, to eat that food with less oxalate load, right? Right. So we don't get the dumping of it and all that stuff, right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was listening to that. Okay. And uh, I had posted something about – I had listened to uh, Dr. Uh, Davis – uh, when he had a new uh, podcast and, you know, he was recommending how collagen and, you know, you eat it with it, you're serving, you know, and, and um, he also mentioned hyaluronic acid, pow- you know, pow- a powder to put in there. What's your, what, did you ever watch that? I haven't watched that one. No. Okay. So he was saying how anti-aging is, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, multiple things. Okay. And so he, he mentioned those two things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just didn't know if uh, that product's any good or... Hyaluronic acid or any kind of good or, is, is yeah. big in the cosmetic world. They put it into all kinds of lotions because it, it helps our skin hold moisture. And then that makes your skin look more youthful. I am not convinced that any form of hyaluronic acid is going to make us live longer. Okay. Yeah, he said something, you know, obviously we're eating it. So like internally he was mentioning it. Yeah, it, it, it exists. I, I don't right. think we need to supplement with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did say our bodies make it our its own. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. I was, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, before I forget, let's see, uh, what was it? Oh, oh that was the one I, I, so I cut your show on, the, on, and I'm going to try your, uh, pulled pork in my chili. You know, I heard your, you give out your recipe and it sounds great. I was doing, I was doing brisket, leftover brisket, you know, for, uh, brisket chili is good. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, what I did though, and you mentioned tomato base, you know, I, I had, made i didn't put any tomatoes in and i used um i got chilies i got dried chilies i i, I used one of these like chipotle guajillo um uh yeah and ancho and everyone i had i had a little 
the red one, a little for he, a little uh, Arbo, Arbo or something. Yeah, yeah all of them that I've had. And so yeah, I, I yeah I uh, I slight, I warmed up the water and rehydrated it. You know, to- warmed it up, toasted it first, then rehydrated it, and then put them in a blender, blended it up for like a it was like a rich, rich sauce. Added we added some water to vinegar. Yeah, that's yeah. That, and put it to chili, man. It gave it. That's outstanding. Yeah. So I don't always oh, talk man. about this a lot because then it gets more and more complicated, and then people want recipes, and I don't write this stuff down. But I do something similar. I mean, I have a big quart shaker of spice seasoning that I made myself. And I did it instead of rehydrating those dried chilies. I just make my blend of the the different dried chilies, throw them in a blender and turn them into a powder. And that's my chili seasoning. All right. Yeah. It, 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 it made like, uh, the flavors like, uh, like Tammy made like a traditional one with tomato sauce stuff. And, and mine had so much flavors. It was really good. So. So mine's just both. Mine has a tomato base, but I use yeah. dried chilies as my seasonings. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it came out really good with that. Now, I didn't know if I, you... Uh, I, I will tell you, somewhere on the website is one of my chili recipes that I no longer make. I should probably go find it and take it down. And there's a reason I don't make it this way anymore. I used to add canned pumpkin to my chili and I'm pretty sure I posted that. Oh yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. We tried that before. Yeah. But I don't want the oxalate load anymore. It didn't make enough of an improvement in the chili that I'm willing to, to, to have more oxalates in there. You know, the caller earlier when we talked about the amount of something you eat, I'll still eat sweet potatoes, but I'm going to I'm not going to put it in the chili or or either a sweet potato or a pumpkin. It it helps. It makes really good chili, but it's not enough of a benefit to to take on the extra oxalates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to see if you uh, I I know that's the difference between the dried uh, or, you know, I kind of thought there was between the powder and then actually using the chili, that so, dried chilies to uh, so rehydrate. You, well, just so you know, if, if you go to the store and buy chili powder, that that's what you're getting. Somebody took a dried chili and ground it up into a powder. Yeah. Right, right, right. The, the difference is, and the yeah. reason I do mine in powder is because I can make one big batch at one time, get a whole bunch of dried chilies, all the blends that I like, make one big batch, sit it there next to my, you know, with all my other seasonings. And I have a big quart shaker of this. I only have to do it about once a year rather than rehydrating oh, yeah, okay. every time I have to make chili. And I've done that. I, I've I've done recipes where I rehydrate chilies and use them. But for this, for chili yeah. itself, I have a very specific blend of chilies that I like. And I, like I said, I only have to make this stuff like once a year because then I just stick it in the pantry and uh, use it when I need it. Yeah. Right. And those peppers I had mentioned, I, and I know we, I didn't say, uh, the, you know, the green chili. Do you feel like the green chili just takes, it's kind of like 
I know it's different, but it kind of like it could take care of itself. Like you don't need all those rest of those chilies if you no, like the flavor of the green chili. Well, like, you know, no? well, sure. Oh, okay. I mean, food is just preference. You, I do make a dish that is. I actually, I call it a a pulled pork green chili casserole. Okay, it's not really a casserole. It's a stew more. So it, it's similar to chili, but it doesn't have any of the red chilies in there. It's pulled pork and green chilies, but that's a whole different dish. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, so what, what chilies do you uh, grow? Peppers. I'm sorry. What peppers are you growing? How many different? Everything you named I'm growing. Yeah. You're going like Anaheim and... Anaheim, uh, Guajillos, Arbels, everything you named. Poblano. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing that gets confusing. There are chilies that you will find three different names for the same chili. There will be a name for it when it's fresh. There will be a name for it when it's dried. And what's the third one? Yes. too blank. I didn't know there was a third one. Well, but do you know what a chipotle is? So, a chipotle is not a chili. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a dried jalapeno, isn't it's it? Smoked jalapeno. Oh, a smoked one. Chipotle is okay. a smoked jalapeno. Okay. You, right. So you can get really confused with the names because sometimes it will be a different name, but it's the exact same chili. It's just how it was processed usually. Is it dry? Is it fresh? Has it been smoked? Has it so? And then all of a sudden it's got a new name. Right, like Ancho for Anaheim. Correct. Or a Poblano. Or a Poblano. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I, I am growing all, all, right. all of the yeah. popular peppers. I, I grow, I have at least one plant yeah. for all of the popular peppers. Like I, I even grow Tabasco peppers. Wow! Yeah, that was a and, and that's the uh, specific chili? that they use to make Tabasco sauce. Oh, okay. How about the New Mexico green chilies? That I do grow the green. Uh, what are those? Hatch green chilies, but they 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 don't grow well here for me at all. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've tried them because I love hatch green chilies. They're some of my favorites. I get fresh chilies shipped up to me every season, and then I roast them and freeze them or roast them and can them. And um, I love hatch green chilies, but they just, they, I have to work really hard to get the plant to grow at all. I have to work really hard to get it to produce any peppers. And then for some reason, they don't taste anything like the peppers that come from New Mexico, even though it's the same plant. Wow. Yeah, you, you gave us that idea. We we, we caught a, a place and we got a big box last year and we uh, canned a bunch and we, you know, we, we, we toasted them and got the skin off, you know, and then canned a bunch. So you, you could probably grab yeah. them. I mean, I think it just requires a really hot, dry season to produce a good hatch chili pepper. Yeah, in uh, uh, Dallas area is where we are. We're at Wiley, Wiley out there, and yeah, it's, you can uh, grow them there, uh, north of Dallas. Okay, yeah, I heard you talking to Fred about. He was asking those hay hay bales. Um, if we grew peppers in those, would we have to water it? 
You do water like, it, but you don't water they, it nearly they, as much. The, the, the bales hold a lot more water than soil does. So that was another advantage. It, it You know, if you're gone, it would be easy to put an automatic sprinkler system on these bales. Wouldn't be expensive. I, I could do it in a couple hours with very little cost. Yeah, we might, we might try that with the peppers. You know, I, I could even say that a truck driver that was gone two weeks at a time and had nobody at home to take care of anything, I could set up a garden for them that would work. All right. Yeah, we're going to – my father-in-law's there all in the front house, so he, he probably water for us if we needed to, but – yeah, he could keep an eye on things, but it, it, I automate most of my watering. Now, I do go out every day and water something, but if I had to water everything I had growing, it would be hours and hours and hours. There's no way I could do it. So all of, uh, 99% of my watering is all automated. Um, so so uh, how, much, how much water does peppers might need? Uh a week for like for gone. Like, you know, I can't give you exact numbers, but I can give you a, a, an idea. Now, if you're going to be gone a month, you're going to have to either have somebody water or you're going to have to automate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, we can't go that long. I mean, it. it the in a place okay. like Texas, you're not even going to make it a week. I mean, you're going to have to water every right. day or every okay. other day. Now, peppers. Now, every plant That's, is a okay. little different. Some plants like to be wet all the time. They like the soil wet all the time. That's when they grow best. Other plants and peppers are one of them. Peppers like a good deep watering. And then I don't water again until the soil is almost dry. I really let the soil dry out between watering on peppers because they grow better. Tomatoes don't. Tomatoes I, tomatoes grow better if I water them every day. Peppers do better if I water them like every third day. So you, you just learn over time. And then there, then there are differences in varieties. You know, there's there's 30 different varieties of jalapeno peppers. There isn't just one jalapeno. There's a ton of jalapenos. Yeah, uh, I noticed someone was trying to grow peppers and they had, they were like the little babies, little baby peppers. Right. Like not, they didn't, they didn't get, you know, like your finger, they were like little babies. I, is that maybe something to do with his Could be a variety. Gardener. It could be the soil. I We don't know. Okay. I don't know how big that pepper was supposed to be. Okay. Well, I have one other question uh, about the hay bales. And, the you know, you said he set up a perimeter, right? And and hay bales are kind of tall. And you only and he said put six inches of, of uh, garden soil. So you're saying the rest of it's like a wall? Like a hay bale wall? Yeah. Oh, okay. Think of it as you built a, okay. you built a swimming pool out of hay bales, but you're only going to put six inches yeah. of water in it. You're not going to fill it to the top. Okay. That's what I imagine. I just wanted to be clear. Okay. If you want to spend the money and fill it to the top with good garden soil, that would be awesome. But it's expensive, too, and it's not necessary. We can start with a little bit of good soil and then build it up over time and save a lot of money. Okay. All right. And we might, we might get into that with the peppers. It's, it's, 
You could, I understand your operation. You too could grow a pretty cool garden. You'd be surprised how much you'd be able to do and you'd be able to automate the watering. And uh, you don't need any ground to do this. Think about this. You could do this on a patio or a driveway. We don't need dirt. Okay. We could build. Oh, we have a big pasture in the back. We could build this pool on a driveway. Build the perimeter, put some dirt in there, and we have an instant garden on the driveway. Yeah, that's what I was imagining when you were when you guys were talking about it. So I just wanted to, just in case we do, uh, I always wanted to ask a question while I got you on the line. Yeah, and it's a, it's a I I I'm I've got some hay bales already conditioned that I'm getting ready to plant into now, and I'm probably going to bring in about ten more that I'll grow in. Right. So, I mean, you say we could add a little more, we could add more in soil if we wanted, like half, halfway up, just for, is it better? Or is it just... Um, the more soil I have, the more plants I can grow. The deeper my good soil is, the better my plants will grow. So in my first year, I brought okay. in soil and I had maybe two or three inches of really good soil. That was all I had because I was trying to fill in a really, really big area, about 2,500 square feet. So, so I, we're only going to do that square. Yeah. So then, so then I work on that soil. I add compost, I add the straw and let it break down. I plant a cover crop and let that improve the soil and I use green manure, but I still bring in more dirt every year. I'm getting, I, I may call them today. I may call my garden center today and put in my order for dirt and mulch and compost. Um, I'd love to get to the point where I can stop bringing that in. And at some point I will. I may, I'll be able to make enough of my own compost. And at some point I won't need any more dirt. I still have room so I can still keep putting in more good soil or I can build my own. And it's just a balance. I, I'll spend a little money every year, bring in a little more soil and keep growing things. And then I start adding my own compost and my green manure and uh, my, I just keep growing. At some point, I'll run out of room and I won't have to do that anymore. Awesome. And, um, well, as far as the herbs, the, you know, rosemary, thyme and all that, do you... I mean, that would just get burned up in Texas, or, or is that something you bring in anyway? Well, there's, like, there's lots you of herbs. You're, lots of herbs you can grow in Texas. Rosemary would go great. Rosemary loves heat. Um, dill loves heat. There, oh, okay. Yeah, there are plenty. You know, the funny one, the one that always confuses me, I love cilantro. Cilantro is popular in Mexican cooking. So I always, in my mind, yeah. thought of cilantro as a hot weather herb, and it's not. Cilantro grows really well in cool weather, not hot weather. You would, you can okay. grow cilantro in Texas. You'll struggle. You'll grow the plant, and the plant's only going to last a week, and 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 then it will bolt and go to seed because it's too hot. You could actually grow. You could grow cilantro in the winter time. Okay. Yeah. And peppers. Yeah. Cause we get the cold sometimes in where we're at. Is it, is that when everything don't even bother trying to grow the peppers to harvest them? And then the, the only, th- yeah, there, there are plants that, that won't handle a freeze. 
peppers actually. Okay. Do you know the difference between annual plants and perennial plants? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Okay. So a lot of people don't know or they're confused. If a plant is an annual, what that means is we plant it, it grows, it produces a flower or a fruit or a vegetable of some kind, and then it dies and it's gone forever. And if we want that plant again next year, we have to plant it again with from a new seed or a new plant, a perennial plant. When we grow a perennial plant, it will it lives all the time. Now, it may go dormant in the wintertime, but then in spring it comes back and it blooms again and it's alive. That's a perennial. Perennial, all right. Peppers, now most, okay. most garden vegetables that we eat are annuals. Almost all of them, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, tomatoes, onions, garlic, they're all annuals. You plant it, it grows, it produces something, and then it dies, and then you have to start all over again. There are a few plants that, vegetables that are true perennials. They'll just keep coming back year after year. I talked about one yesterday, asparagus. I plant asparagus once. Those plants will produce asparagus every spring for 20 or 25 years. Um, What are a couple of the others? Um, Artichokes. Artichokes are perennial plants. They'll keep coming back every year and producing artichokes. Peppers are what they kind of refer to as a semi-perennial. In the right environment, pepper plants will last for a couple of years and keep producing peppers. In most gardens and environments, they won't make it through the winter and they'll die. In my environment, if we have a really mild winter, I can bring my pepper plants into the greenhouse or my garage and let them go dormant. And then I can put them back out in the garden the next year and they'll start growing peppers again. Okay. Is that true with rosemary? Rosemary is a perennial. Rosemary will last forever and it will just keep okay. growing. All right. Okay, so if we get cold, same thing, kind of protect it, see if you can make it. I doubt that you would ever agree. I doubt that you would ever get cold enough in Texas to kill rosemary. Okay. Yeah, we might have to give it a shot. I know Tammy's been talking about it, but. Herbs are the easiest thing to grow by far. Vegetables are, are next. Flowers are actually the hardest to grow from seed. Growing flowers from seed is a real challenge. I'm learning it this year, but uh, it's more difficult. Herbs are the easiest. Herbs and greens. So if people want to get started with things that are easy to grow, grow grow herbs and lettuce greens. Okay. Even in the 100-degree pounding we get? Nope. No, if you're going to grow greens and lettuce, you're going to do it in the spring and fall when it's cooler. Right. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And they grow and the peppers. Might, they like they like the heat. That's the other thing about vegetables. The okay. There are some greens that will mature in thirty days. I put a seed in the ground. Thirty days later, I can harvest some lettuce and eat it. There are some radishes that will harvest in about thirty days. There are other vegetables, um, squashes and pumpkins and things like that. Um, Hundred and twenty days to mature. Big difference. 
Yeah. So it. It's, so where would I go ahead? Get the seeds, uh, or like say the peppers, or um, there's lots of places you can get seeds. I have my favorites: um, Johnny's uh, seeds, Annie's organics. Those are probably the two biggest. Yeah. Okay. From. And okay, Johnny's and Annie's, and I <laughs> primarily grow heirloom varieties, not exclusively. I and, and here's the difference. If I have an heirloom plant, I can recover the seed from that plant and grow a new plant next year. And I can do that forever. So if I recover my own seeds, I could buy seeds once and then never have to buy them again. We have other yeah. plants that are heirlooms. They're called hybrids. And we create hybrids for certain conditions. Like maybe we create a hybrid hot pepper that does grow in Oregon, even though it's cool. We can do that. But if it's a hybrid, I don't want to, to uh, save the seeds because you have no idea what that seed's going to produce the next time. It may produce a plant. It may produce a plant that doesn't produce any peppers. It may produce a plant that produces a pepper, but it's totally different than the last pepper it produced. Hybrid seeds, we can't predict what they're going to do. They may not grow at all. They may grow and then die before they produce anything. So I only use hybrids when I want a specific vegetable, but then I know that I can't use the seeds from that. I'm just going to have to buy those seeds every year. Okay. Yeah, I've heard you say that... uh heirloom and you recover the seeds. I, what does that mean when you recover the seed? How do you do that? So have you, you you've, is, you've cut open a pepper plant, right? Not a pepper oh, okay, plant. Yeah. You've cut open a, all the a, seeds. A, yeah, what's in there? Seeds. Yes. Yeah, save them. That'll grow okay. up. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and, and let's think about this. Let's think about this. I, so last year I grew 75 pepper plants between all my different varieties. I had 75 total pepper plants. Well, all I had to do to grow 75 new plants was pull one pepper off of each plant and I got 30 or 40 or 50 seeds out of it. Think about that. Yeah, wow. One pepper off so, one plant one gives seed? me all the seeds I need for the next season sometimes. The same with the tomato. Okay. I mean, think about how many seeds are inside of a tomato. Think about how many seeds are inside of a pumpkin. Every one of those seeds will produce a new pumpkin plant. So do you separate them and the tiny little pepper seeds and yes. like sprout them? Yes. No, no, I don't sprout them. Oh, I separate okay. them. And now, oh. now here's another, here's another area where there's a learning curve. Every plant is slightly different on how and when you recover the seeds. Some plants it, okay, if we harvest an onion, so we know if we harvest a pepper, we open it, there's seeds in there. What about an onion? Where's the seed? Yeah. Right. The seed doesn't come from the vegetables. Right. It comes from the plant after you harvest. Then it will start producing seeds. So, oh, wow. so there is a learning curve. Tomatoes, There, there's a process you actually... Believe it or not, we actually ferment the seeds for tomatoes. That's how we save them. There's a process. You put them on paper towels, and you got to get that gel off of them. Yeah. 
that gel is there to protect them. And there's a method to dry them and get that off of there. So I, every plant might be different on how you collect the seeds. So that that's part of the learning curve to all this. Uh, what about garlic? Garlic is the seed. So take a it is. Okay. So take a whole head of garlic, pull a clove off of it, plant the clove, and you get a new head of garlic. All right. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's very, very cool. It, it, you know, it, there's even there, – there are websites that show you how to do all this, and it's kind of fun. Take a, a whole head of celery, not a stalk. You know, you have the whole head, and you can pull a stalk off of it. Take a whole head of celery, cut the stalks off so that the base of the celery is still all combined. The root base is maybe three yeah. or four inches tall. Stick it in a cup yeah, of water, right, right. and it will start growing new celery stalks. Wow. There are a lot of vegetables you can do that with. You can take a part of a vegetable, stick it in water, and it will start growing new vegetables. Yeah, we might have to give it a shot. There you go. On a a few things. There you go. Give me a call back and we'll talk about it. Calls, you know what? I just realized I'm going to turn the phones off. It's 11 o'clock. What the hell am I thinking? I'm going to finish up the calls I've got. Danny in New Jersey, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. Oh, man, you're funny. I, somebody, uh, somebody, was, should be paying me, somebody should be paying me overtime right now. Let me tell you. Go easy there. Go easy. <laughs> uh, that last statement that you just had with Jeremy. See, th- I, th- my topic was critical thinking again, and and I you know, I want to, you know, get your opinion on that. But that just brought me back to when I was a kid. We used to do that in school. Right. We would take a potato. Exactly. And, right. But, right. See, and um, well, I, I, I want to try to stay focused. You know, because hey, let me, Fred really. Uh, I don't. I don't want to interrupt you and knock you off your stride here, but I had a, a an experience that was kind of strange, not a big deal, but I had a grocery store tomato, and I cut it open, and I wanted some tomatoes. The seeds inside the tomato had all sprouted. All of the seeds inside the tomato were trying to grow new tomato plants. Ah. Uh. I used to haul tomato, <laughs> and uh, we used to gas them coming up out of Florida. I mean, th- 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 see, it-, it is amazing on how you stimulate me, my thinking. Good. You know, and I, I would like to just to see if I'm on track with what I believe is a lost um ideology if that's the correct but how would you just describe being a critical thinker oh that's a good question how would i describe that um i could tell you what i think i I have an idea i think this might help people um okay be really curious 
I think that's that's what critical thinking really what? is. Then then work to satisfy what? your curiosity. In in what direction? Well, first we've we've got if we're confused about something, we don't have enough information. So now we go gather as much information as we can about this. We absorb that information and then we use our brain to process it and come up with a solution. I, I think that's the 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 flow of critical thinking. We we are curious. Why? I, I mean, pick anything. I mean, this is how we came up with the scientific method. Um, why does an apple always fall out of a tree down? Why doesn't it ever fall up? Why doesn't it fall sideways? Right? That's that's the beginning of critical thinking is curiosity. Why? Ask a lot of why questions. You, you know, one of the one of the people, and I've I've mentioned this once or twice before, Bruce Mallinson is one of the most curious people I know. He will ask total strangers the strangest questions. I, I've I've traveled with him. I, you know, we we hang out, and I immediately noticed this about him. He he is the most curious person I've ever known, and he asks questions constantly. You think that's generational, though? I don't know. I don't. Well, I, I think one I of do. the things that's happened. Yeah, I don't. I I don't. Gener, I think it's not generational in in the way we might be thinking of it. I think we are all becoming less critical thinkers because technology is in our face all day long. And it stops us from being Thank critical you. thinkers. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. See, I, it, I believe, and this is something that, you know, I, Monday I got into the weeds, okay? I went back to my childhood. But that was the reason, I had a reason for doing that. Because ever since, you know, I made it in, in that, uh, in talking, and I spoke a little bit yesterday about you know, burning my life to the ground and getting into Alcoholics Anonymous. And I stayed there for a a few years, but I had two different plights with that. But prior to that, for 50 years of my life, well, I can't say 50. I was 50 when I burnt my life to the ground, personally. I, for ever since I was, I don't know, maybe 15 years old, and I told you about me never carrying a book in school. You know, I right. would copy off my sister because I, I took her free. But what I'm, what I, that's a true story. That's absolutely true. I thought I knew everything. I got into the trucking industry because of, you know, my father taking me with him. And I explained on how I was scared to death. So there was definitely fear in a child. Until I got in that big truck, you know, I didn't enjoy that day being with them until I blew the air horn on the way out. <laughs> and that may sound very simplistic. No, it's not, but not I, at all. Well, see, and, and this is why, well, one of the key things that I came to understanding after burning my life to the ground, that it's okay not to know. And that's why I identify with what you just said with, with Bruce. And I, you know, I, I use substances, you know, like marijuana, you know, we, we talk a little bit about it today and it's really ironic because 
I, I'm in, I, I said yesterday, I, I, you know, I've been out of the truck since uh, February. Uh, anyway, yeah, I've been out of the truck since February 25th. So I got nothing but time waiting to get this hip replaced. So I watched a lot of TV and I just happened to put on <laughs> um, Growing Belushi. Have you had a chance to see that yet? No. Uh, it's about growing cannabis, you know, and, but there's a comedic, uh, twinge to it, you know, Dan Aykroyd's involved oh, and yeah. in, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's very funny to me, but I got to the point, you know, because after burning my life to the ground and realizing, you know, I thought I knew everything, you know, driving the truck and I had my own trailer at that time, but I lost all that. You know, because I always tried to chase fuel mileage, but this is where I, I want to say on how you helped me. I found satellite radio and going through the channels and everything. I found you and I said, you know, I, I, your way of just communicating was unlike anything else I've ever heard on talk radio because I had the same aspirations as you. You had Bruce Williams. I had an individual by the name of Bob Grant over here. But before Bob Grant, I would listen to Dr. Joy Brown, and she did a psychology show. Oh, yeah. Talk to And I would be amazed. I, I would be amazed on how somebody outside this tri-state area in middle America could call in, because it was a national show, right. with the same issues. You know, and her advice was always, you know, I mean, I, I always enjoy it. You know, it helped me and it stimulated me and it gave, gave me like direction on how to maneuver. But w w where I want to go is. Um, I, I mentioned a book by the name of, uh, well, the, a philosopher named Hegel, and this is sort of like I, I heard. You know, Bob, I, I've been listening to Bob and I hear his frustration. Um, Hegel taught in the 1500s in, in Berlin. He was a professor and th there were books written after him. But dialectics, it's, I can't pronounce it, but it's a triangle. And it's basically explaining a human condition on how we're controlled. You know, and unless we could go back into history and identify, like, I, I have a unique ability because uh, I think I was so stupid for 50 years of my whole life. And I, and that, that's not really the correct word that I want, uninformed, I'll say. Ignorant. I had no knowledge. Yeah. I had, and that, that was okay. That is okay. Correct. Because the way I see society today, and we were kind of touching on that, there are two groups of people only. And I believe that this is how we got to where we are in all this, whatever you want to identify it as. There's the person who doesn't know. And that's okay, because that is because, you know, of ignorance. Right. But then there's the person that just does not want to know. Or, and that's why or, there's or, a lot of... Or knows and ignores what they know and still makes bad decisions. Exactly. And that's, you know, to, to bring the trucking industry into that. Like I shared on Monday on how I was able to just sign a waiver 
to get a chauffeur's license here in New Jersey. Right. And then it went from the chauffeur's license to get the articulate license. And then it, it went it, from the articulate it, license. It was in Ohio. It was only the chauffeur's license. That's all you needed to hold triples if you wanted to in Ohio. You could go take a written test, get a chauffeur's license, and pull triples. I did it. Where where was the training? I know. (laughs) There was no training. None. You didn't have to have any training. You didn't have to have any classes. There was no driving test. And it didn't matter if it was oversized, overweight, three trailers. Doesn't matter. You took a short written test. You got a license and you were completely legal to drive those things on the road. Um, hey, Danny, I got to cut you loose. I calls her. I, I want to I don't want to rush anybody, but I, I uh, do want to get through the calls and get on with my day. This has turned into a marathon show here. Um, speaking of which, I had a weird idea. I'm going to throw this out there. I don't sometimes I I can be my own worst enemy. I'm talking about how busy things have been and, um, you know, I got to finish stuff up and I feel like I need a break. But I'm also coming up on my 60th birthday, uh, May 2nd. And I forget what what day of the week is May 2nd. I know it's a week. Let me go look real quick. May 2nd falls on a Tuesday. Um, I had this weird idea that for my 60th lap around the sun, I was going to do a six-hour show that day. And then I thought, what the hell am I thinking? Why would I do that? I don't know. We'll see. Um, Brandy, what's on your mind today? You were talking about AI, and there's a show that was before its time called uh, Person of Interest. I think it got too close to the truth, and then it was canceled. Um, a lot of good actors and actresses came from it, but uh, it's it has five seasons, and you can see the progression of how AI began, and then how it looked like it was going to fall into the wrong hands, and that's what the the show seems to center around. That that's very realistic. Um, that is the, the other, concern. Yeah, and I, that's why I thought it might be. Well, it's if actually you, it's they don't actually like worse here, than that. It's actually worse than that. Saying the AI might fall into the wrong hands, we're we're assuming human hands. I'm just as afraid of AI creating its own capabilities. Right. The, it, um, it, 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 it could get to the point where AI doesn't need a human anymore. That's what a lot of people are afraid of. Right. Uh, the shorter ten spans, which I have, I, I passed my uh, my uh, hazmat test using uh, unfair advantage. I'm definitely a proponent. I would highly recommend it to anybody um, for clarity, and it definitely gave me that. It, it does work. And then uh, about seeds, there's yes, it does. And then uh, with seeds, there's a guy uh, on Instagram called Don't Throw It Out. And he shows you how to save seeds, replant them, and that, and with video, and it's it's really good. And uh, he's got an industry in that. So oh, good. That's everything. All right, that's all I need today. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's wrap this up today, Terrence. You get the final word. Oh, all right. Thanks. Cool. Um, so I, when I lived in Wisconsin, I Solanto was a group. 
buy parsley grew. But like I'm, I would my cilantro would I would have it in a in a little bucket, and it would on on the patio, and I'd water it. You know, it was herb. Like every year, I would start. I had like a patio, and I had like a little hose area, and it was dirt, and this would pop up over. I'm like, I look, I said, it looks like cilantro. I pick it, taste it. I right, cilantro. Yeah. I just let it go wild, and right. I, I I started collecting the coriander. I started using yeah, you just take the. So here, I'm glad you brought this up. I, I explained annual plants and perennial plants. There are some annual plants, though, and cilantro is one of them. There are quite a few, actually, that if all you do is just leave the plant in the ground, it's not a perennial. That plant that's there now is going to die. But when it dies, it's going to drop all its seeds and it just reseeds itself for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's wild. I mean, I was like, it was, it was, great. It was, it was the best. But like I said, I, I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out why. So why? Why was the thing on the on the patio? And then I got to grow it over here. Now and that's why I, I was at the Dobby. You know, great. I talked about the um, heirloom seeds, and if you have a hybrid seed, you don't know what will happen when you try to plant it. I had that happen with cilantro. I had a nice patch of cilantro that I had been using all summer. And after a while, you kind of just have to let it go to seed. You can't keep it alive. It's got its own life cycle. And you can make them last longer by trimming the flowers as soon as you see them. But at some point, the plant's just going to go to seed and it's going to die. So I left it there. I let it go to seed. And I thought that, fine, next year I'll have cilantro here in the spring. So next spring, sure enough, a whole bunch of cilantro plants come up. They get about four inches tall, they all died. Wow. It wasn't an heirloom. It was, all right, so it now was here's a, my other... It was a hybrid right. seed, and it, it those hybrid, seeds yep. would not grow a new plant. All right, now here's my dilemma. Now, I got... I'm going to put a garden in, but it's been a development, and all, you know, soil there. The soil is good, clean backfill and all that. But now I'm thinking I want to do a raised bed one. So, because I, I got this, there's a rabbit, there's stuff around that's going to get in the garden. Right. Now, could I do the same thing with, with, with those uh, bales of hay? Like, just buy, you know, I'm going to build my own, you know, you see the ones, you slip them in the, the concrete blocks. That's what I want to make it simple. To make the raised bed. The hay bales are the quickest, cheapest way to make a raised bed. Just make okay. a just make a raised bed the, out, I mean, out of hay bales. So now, then you fill in with dirt, just like you would a raised bed, and you grow in there. But you can also okay. grow in the bales themselves, and things grow really no. well. Right. And the other benefit. Well, I'm worried about like rabbits at, getting in it. Well, the only way you can get it, it, rabbits are going to get in. Uh, raised beds if you don't have some sort of protection. You're just going to have to use fencing if you have a lot of rabbits. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's the only deterrent well, I, I just, from, just, just, from, you know from... Just do the hay bales and then do like that and fill it in. Yeah, that, that's one way to build a, a, a really fast raised bed. And like I said, you can still grow in the hay bale itself. And at the end of the year... You knock the hay bales apart, spread them all over the ground, and that starts improving your soil. Well, not, so I don't even have to keep like keeping it closed, the dirt. Because, I, I mean, like, I still have grass next to it, you know what I mean? Right. Like, on the pot where I'm going to put it, I'm not going to tear it. 
So I just, just, I just make my border basically with the end of the hay bale, yep. and that's it. And then just keep r- it. knocking it down and use that soil and just keep the soil up in the air. Yeah. All right. The save you bunch of money. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to build one of those things. And I, I was thinking about putting the hay bales inside that and then have, you know what I mean? No, to don't, it. don't, don't do that. So, just build it out. So I have all three. I have cedar raised I, beds that we built. I have plants in the ground, right. just straight in the ground, and I have plants in hay bales. I grow all three ways. And I grow plants in bags. Okay. That's I, what I, I want. I use fabric grow. I want to do the cedar thing. thing. Yeah, potatoes. I might be talking about that. But so, but the cedar, the, the beds, what is that? That's just how. Help to contain the moisture, or just to contain the there, the, the, God, the thing itself. There's two. Well, there's several reasons we use raised beds. So when we have really bad soil, one of the ways that's quicker and cheaper is to build a raised bed and just fill it with good garden soil. Otherwise, if you were trying to grow I, a traditional garden in the ground, if I would have tried to do that from the very beginning. Um, you either have to dig down and get out the bad soil or figure out a way to build up with good soil. And it's just expensive. It is. And like I said, I've done both. And I actually, right now, I just, actually Lisa bought them for me. She bought me four new metal raised beds. So I'm adding some raised beds. There's a part of the garden I want to create like a border. I need an end to work on. And so I'll put those raised beds out there at the border and then I'll start backfilling dirt in and that, that will finish off that edge of the garden. Um, raised beds are nice because you're not working on your hands and knees down on the ground all the time when you're planting and harvesting. It, it's easier to work in a raised bed because it's elevated. The higher it is, the easier it is to work in it. Um, and if you're going to build one really, really deep, I would say you don't put all dirt in there. You can fill the bottom of it in with rocks and wood and whatever you want to take up a bunch of space and then give yourself maybe a foot of good soil on top. But good raised, soil, but you really only good. Okay. So raised beds are there. There are reasons to use them. One, if you've got bad soil, it's an easier way to just start with new soil. Two, it's it's easier because it's elevated. Um, I can put row covers uh, on my raised beds really easy easier than doing it in the ground so like i said all of these have some upsides and downsides and i i have found some plants grow better in in the ground than they do in raised beds some plants don't seem to like raised beds okay. there doesn't seem to be enough soil depth the cedar ones that you're talking about that's that's because that's what if i do that because i mean that that's what i want to keep because i want to keep it contained i don't want to have it like when i cut the grass i don't want to be Right. You know, having stuff blowing into the garden and all that. So I'd rather have it like a, so the cedar, just get re- any cedar, like, so the, or whatever, I mean. So the reason we use cedar is because cedar will last forever outside without being treated. You don't have to oil it. You don't have to do anything. It'll, it'll turn gray. It'll last forever. That's why we use cedar. Um, but once we, right. you can go buy kits pre-done where you just put them together. That's one way and all different sizes and shapes and finishes and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I happen to have a friend who's a master carpenter and I paid him to come over and build my cedar. (laughs) Mine mine are really custom. 
I mean, mine fit the space in a very specific way. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, you can I do need it to do yourself. It, I don't want to take my whole yacht off. It, it doesn't take a lot of crazy carpentry skills to do this, but I have like zero carpentry skills and um, having a master carpenter do it, <laughs> it looks really nice and they're very custom and they fit the space. And All right. I got it. Thanks, Kevin. Let someone else get in there. Yeah, nope. Nobody else is getting in today. We are done. Man, that was a long show. Almost three and a half. Well, three and a half hours today. Look at that. Somebody owes me some overtime. All right. We will see you back. Oh, wait a minute. I've got some announcements. Man, I can't forget this. Um, one, um, I just want to let you know our tribe care number. We have an awesome tribe care team. They're very helpful. If you have any kind of issue, if you have an issue with our apps or our software, or our websites or ordering or the school or any of it, just call tribe care. They love helping people. 855-800-3835. Questions, orders. You could order on the phone if you want. Same thing. Same number. Um, we have 20% off on all my high um, products. That's the infrared sleeping bags. We have the weighted heating pad, which is really nice. We have that new cordless back wrap. I love driving with that thing on. Feels so good and there's no cords to mess with. Um, and now we have the um, the massage gun, the heated massage gun from My High. That's their new product we brought into the store. And because of that, we're going to give you 20% off on everything. So uh, head on over to the store and get your My High products. Tomorrow, I am joined by Scott Brenner. He's the executive director of Truckers Integral to Our Economy. This is a group, uh, I believe a lot of the people, I, I don't know a lot about this group. I'm actually, when I get off the air right now, I got to go do my research and get ready. I didn't think we were going to get them on this quick. Um, so I, I've got to go learn. My understanding of them and the reason I invited them on the show I, I believe it's people from outside of the trucking industry that are concerned about this push to eliminate independent contractors. That's the whole point of this group is to fight back against all these new laws that are trying to eliminate independent contractors. Um, again, I don't know if this is a, a group we're going to be completely aligned with or agree with or, or will work with going forward. Um, but I wanted to reach out to them. This is a big issue for us. We want to be able to fight back against this. And I'm not all that political. And I don't, I mean, I'm not politically active like that, that I'm going to take my time to go try change laws. Um, but I want to partner with people who are, and then we can support them because this is a, a really critical issue for trucking and for our country. Um, hopefully it is a good group and we align with our thoughts and we can move forward with them. But uh, this is our first dipping our toe in the water to see what we might be able to do on this issue. So we will see you then. Um, nobody guessed at it. I thought somebody might try. Um, Brittany had the right answer. She's a big movie buff. Um, the quote was from an officer and a gentleman. The only thing that comes from Oklahoma are steers and queers. That was an officer and a gentleman. Probably couldn't make that movie today. It's not very politically correct. We will see you back here tomorrow for that. Oh, and 
Henry and Joel are joining me. I guess John's busy racing again. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.